Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, we recap the biggest announcements from the summer of gaming, and we've got a couple fun special guests. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Brittany Brombacher. Hello, Andrea Renee. Hello. It's almost like you're here on set with our two lovely guests. The homie, Rihanna Manuel, is back, everybody. Hi. I was like, how do I introduce Rhea? Oh, Avi, she's the homie. The homie. <laughs> and please welcome for the first time special guest, the producer at X-Play for G4, Emily Rose is here. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for making the trek over and for giving me a reason to dust off this desk because the last time that we have had people in the studio was when Rihanna and Danny Pena from Gamertag Radio and also your colleague over at G4 on X-Play came for our fantastic holiday shows yeah. and that was really fun mm. but that was literally december <laughs> so, literally six months ago i mean um, this, this is stunning it's such a beautiful setup oh thank you thank Aww. you so much yeah um it's nice we need to get more people in but now that you know it feels like things are starting to get back to normal and more and more people are vaccinated against covid it feels like it's safer to invite people to come into the studio and have people in closed spaces. So excited to be back. And Brittany, OMG, what a couple of days that we've had. We did a live stream. Oh, we did. I didn't know where you're going with that. I wanted to break <laughs> to everybody that I bought tickets to California to be in person with my girl, Andrea. I want you like this is the first time I bought plane tickets to go see you, baby girl, since I know. 2019. I'm so excited. It's happening. I know. So you're talking about people in the studio. Emily, what does the studio smell like? Can I get some like visceral impressions? Because I haven't been there in so long. It's got like a really nice professional smell. I don't know how to put oh, that, but like it's like the scent foam. of the plexiglass cleaner and plexiglass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because Just this like very remember. fancy custom desk, which I love. It's oh my gosh, I um, love the underlights. <laughs> has a specialty cleaner you have to use because you can't just use Windex on this bad boy. Um, and so I had to call up one Matt Scarpino at Go Button Productions, who designed his team designed this wonderful set that we're on and was like, so I've already scratched the hell out of this plexiglass. <laughs> Can I replace it? He's like, you don't want to do that. It's very expensive. I'm like, OK, so what do I do? He's like, I'll give you this special cleaner you need to clean it. Stop using paper towels and stop spilling <laughs> stuff on it. And I was like, eh, it's not my fault. It was Steimer's fault. It was. <laughs> Even though it was mostly my fault, but it was sometimes Steimer's fault. Uh, oh boy but yeah anyway that's anyway. what that's yeah. what it smells like <laughs> <laughs> i miss the smell i miss it all so much I but know. yeah uh, video games 
we had a lot that happened because you and I recorded our last episode, air quotes here, live around, what was it, May 31st, I think it was? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, hot damn. Wait. Oh, yes, because right? you, yes, because we took a mini, like, we, we pre-recorded a couple of ep- yeah. episodes um, because um, you, you know, thankfully got out of your house and went to go see a new place in the world, which was important. And then we had Summer Game Fest and a bunch of things going on. And my husband had surgery. And so I couldn't take a break from the baby. And so hopefully everybody enjoyed our magic eight ball predictions, which we are going to go over some of the <laughs> some of the ones that really hit and some of the ones that didn't. But uh, before we do that, I want to say thank you to our Patreon producers for the month. Of course, good old Chewy's godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Satia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Grudere, and Punctified. And if you guys want to support us on our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash what's good games where you can get the show ad free, among other benefits. And speaking of ads, this show was brought to you by Zavi, Backbone, and Athletic Greens. But we'll tell you more about that later. Because, Brittany, we also have some supporters that are giving us wonderful five-star reviews. We got Kitty Cat 455. I just like saying that. Kitty Cat. You know what I mean? It makes me feel like cool. Doesn't take much. And Ludman Ed. Thank you so much for your very positive five-star review on iTunes. It helps us so much in the algorithm. Helps people find us. And our rankings have been going up. Because of fine folks like Kitty Cat and Ludman Ed. So thank you. Very exciting. All right. Mm. So let's get into the news. So the way that we decided to run this is because we have way too much news from the press conferences, starting with the state of play, which we missed for that Thursday show. The Pokemon Direct, which feels like a lifetime ago. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then on top of that, we have the Summer Game Fest stream, the Day of the Dev stream at Summer Game Fest. We have the Xbox Bethesda showcase, the PC gaming show. And the Capcom showcase. <laughs> and, of course, Evolver Digitals. There's a lot. A lot. Of, it basically was not E3. Yeah. It was not yeah. E3. That's what we called it, after all. Not E3. Predictions exactly. by Magic 8-Ball. That's mm-hmm. right. Not E3. <laughs> um, so what we decided to do is that we each picked two of our favorite stories from the, you know, amalgamation of conferences that happen. And then we're Ooh. going to talk about Starfield afterwards because... Starfield deserves its own mini news segment because a lot of news has dropped about what Todd Howard has been giving in interviews, of course, what was at the Bethesda showcase. So we'll talk about that afterwards. So let's start with the one video that I already have queued up for B-roll because why not? (laughs) And it is a pick from Brit. It is not the sexy blonde boy pick. It's the other one. Oh. Okay, it's the it's kind of like the same thing, but a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's totally the same thing. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of gore, a lot of like weird things in there. Callisto Protocol, absolutely. So this is Striking Distance Studios' latest and greatest game, headed by Glenn Schofield, formerly of Visceral. You may know for Dead Space, like one through three, I think is it what it is. And this game, I've obviously had my eye on it for a while because anything to do with Glenn Schofield, Dead Space, is right up my alley. I love that franchise. Loved. Loved with a D, that franchise, so much before Visceral was shut down. Um, And this, for all intents and purposes, looks like, you know, the spiritual successor to Dead Space that we may finally be getting. We know, obviously, the first Dead Space is being remade, which is wonderful. But it's kind of fun to see Glenn's take on what a new iteration of Dead Space would look like. 
So essentially, you are on one of Jupiter's dead moons. I think it's, well, I don't know if they have more. I don't know how many fucking dead moons Jupiter has, but they have one at least, and it's called Callisto. And it's the year 2320, and you're trying to escape this maximum security prison, and you are Jacob Lee, and of course, shit is fucked. And it is you just trying to, like, you know, live and not die all the gruesome way deaths that the game has you set up to die. Um, but anyway, so... I, when I was watching this, because like Andrea said, I got out of my house and I, I got to look at a different a different state for a week, which is lovely. I was running on my treadmill and I was lagging. Like I was so tired. I was like exhausted from the week of drinking and eating all sorts of greasy, shitty foods. The minute this trailer started playing, I was flooded with so much adrenaline that I just fucking crushed the rest of my run. It's because <laughs> as you're watching it, there's just so much fucking nasty ass gore and like lots of action and it just really gets your ass clenched. Yeah, like, that's a good that way to shit. put it. Yeah, this was honestly way gorier than I thought it was going to oh. be in the showcase. And when it came across at Summer Game Fest in the stream, I was I was actually like pretty surprised that they rolled this this kind of gore in the showcase. Yeah. What did you ladies think? Yeah, especially because they showed that one shot in Summer Game Fest where like he gets his arm pulled into the rotating fan <laughs> and you see him kind of struggle for a second and then he's just fully in there and just yep. getting just chopped up. Yeah, yeah it's I, like Jeff during the stream, if you remember, was like right afterwards, was like, so that happened. Just happened. Anyway, moving on, I was like, I think I tweeted about it. I was like, really, Jeff? You're not going to even movement. call out what we just saw? Best throw ever. Runs a tight oh ship God. over there. Oh, my God. It's like every time we see that game, poor um, Jacob is dying in a new way. I think in the one trailer, his head gets bitten off. And then in this one, like you were saying, Emily, he gets thrown into this weird, I don't even know what kind of contraption that is. But um, there was something else I... Uh, uh, Glenn was talking to, I think it was, I said IGN. Anyway, he was talking about haptic feedback in the controllers and the DualSense controller and how they're excited to replicate the feeling of like a bone snapping because, quote, you want to feel that. And I was thinking, like, you know, I don't even know if I want to feel that. Nope. But, Someone does. But, so cool. Does. Someone out there does. But also, what's interesting about this is this came out, I think maybe last week, that this game is no longer set in the PUBG universe. Mm -hmm. And You're that right. was kind of right. That was something that I think a lot, got a lot of people interested. Like, how does this possibly fit into <laughs> PUBG's universe? And then la later, it seems like the team was thinking among themselves, like, you know, this is actually getting kind of weird. Like, maybe this actually like isn't tied in. But uh, regardless, I'm just excited for this. Um, you know, Dead Space is one of my favorite horror games and I'm just excited to see what Glenn and the team come up with. And it looks like I'm going to be the only one on the WGG team playing it. So oh, you I'm know it. sure to report. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, um, if they, if it comes out that it has a baby ass baby mode, then I could give it a go because that's what got me into RE2 remake. Right. Was that I played it, you know, in easy peasy mode. Not, I didn't wait for all of the mods like Steimer did, which no shade. We love you. Stein time. Um, but, I definitely am not trying to go through this in, in its true survival horror essence. Like that just ain't for me. Not and I yet. appreciate that some people like to put themselves through that kind of terror and horror. Like good for you. Like if that's what makes you feel alive, it's yes. just not for me. Okay. I just want to feel something, Andrea. Okay. I just want to feel something. <laughs> okay. Um, well, this next game made me feel some things, different kinds of things, but interesting things. So Emily, you are up with 
Pentiment. Yes, mm. I was so excited to see this game announced. Uh, I knew that Obsidian was going to have something at the showcase. Uh, part of me was expecting confirmation of Fallout New Vegas 2, but uh, this was even better because this is an original Ooh. idea. I love it. So it's a murder mystery set in 16th century Bavaria. Uh, and it's a 2D RPG with a branching narrative. So you get to control uh, this little guy and you get to kind of choose uh, his background, his life. And it's all about these different murders that take place over 25 years. Uh, and it just, it looks so cool. And of course it's from Josh Sawyer, uh, Pillars of Eternity and Fallout New Vegas. So you know it's coming from a brilliant, brilliant director. And I just love like, uh, some people weren't super turned on to this. They were like, I don't know, this looks like... It looks creative and cool, but uh, but I'm like, this is an Obsidian game. Mm -hmm. This is going mm -hmm. to pack a narrative punch that's just going to be fun. It's going to be heartbreaking. It's going to be hilarious. And honestly, I'm really interested in the replayability, especially with the whole idea of the branching narrative. Like, how different can this game get? How wacky can it get? How many different, like, what can you do to affect these murders and how you solve them? And also, too, yeah, just taking a trip down, like... <laughs> I don't think we've really seen any kind of games that really take place in like mm -mm. like a murder mystery in this kind of 16th century Germany. Not I think murder all. mystery games in general are few and far between. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. one in this art style, I think is the really unique identifier for me. And then, of course, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. Obsidian's pedigree is, you know. Yeah, I, I really Gosh, love the <laughs> I love the juxtaposition between the art style and the humor that we saw in just even the little bit of gameplay that they put on display and Shout out to Xbox Bethesda Showcase for showing so much gameplay just across everything because it really does help you understand like what you're going to get when you go in to play through these experiences. And if I had just seen, like let's say, a cover or a flyer for Pentiment, I would have passed right by it personally. That's a really good point. And I think mm -hmm. that it's good that you called out that they focused on gameplay because you know when we give our total impressions at the end, I think it's not to be overlooked that you know they may have conveniently left out that they were only going to be focusing on the next 12 months and a lot of people were hoping for some of the bigger further out announcements that mm -hmm. we obviously did not get but we did get a ton of games like that when that screenshot went up oh, for yeah. the oh conference it was like these are all the things that are coming and these are all the things we talked about I was like did we actually it's like yeah, we you know yeah. we actually have seen a lot of stuff in this showcase so so much you start forgetting games like they, I know. It was just still mm -hmm. and that's why it's, so, <laughs> it's so wild to me when people are like I'm not gonna invest in the Xbox Game Pass anymore there's no AAA titles coming out this year I'm like but there's so many other games that are already on there and that are now being brought to there like we had Riot we had um oh my gosh Atlas the Atlas announcement we'll oh. probably talk about oh. it later but yes like just yeah killer <sighs> killer indeed. Oh. All right, well, the next one that we are going to talk about, speaking of Bethesda and the Xbox Showcase, is one of Rihanna's picks. Yay! Are you going to talk about Redfall and my girl, Layla? Yes, we yes. are. Yes. Are you going to talk about Redfall? Yes! Okay. Love Layla. We'll gladly talk about Redfall. So, of course, Redfall coming from Arcane Austin, um, and the folks who brought us Prey and Dishonored. This is going to be one of my most anticipated games until the moment I play it. And from then on, I probably won't shut up about it. So just be prepared. <laughs> because um, the, the thing that I really loved about this trailer in particular is the hero. They chose Layla, who is one of the main characters. And you can play one of four. This is going to be sort of like a class, co-op, shooter, survival game uh, with all of the, the great gunplay and mechanics and, of course, a little bit of storytelling. Uh, that we see here in the trailer itself. But what I really love about Layla as a character is 
she's black. She has big, huge, purple, curly hair, and she's like drowning in student loan debt. And I see myself on the screen, y'all. Oh. <laughs> I see myself. I on don't the think screen. any of us want to cheer the drowning in student loan debt part because that part <laughs> legit sucks. But the fact that you see yourself on screen is incredibly important. It mm. is. It, it definitely makes me even more excited about this game and about cosplay possibilities. But past that i'm really excited to get into this because i played a little bit of prey i've seen people play dishonored i never played through one myself but now i'm invested because i really love these co-op shooting experiences where you can really mm -hmm. customize the way you want to play depending on your play style and choose a character that really fits uh in the way that you like to encounter all of these enemies and you can work together or you can work alone which I thought was really interesting how they emphasize that. A lot of times in these games you see, you know, like like in Outriders, for example, or even like in Overwatch, there, there's a very heavy emphasis on team uh, synergy and like picking up where other people leave off and a lot of those co-op mechanics. But here they really emphasized you can do this all by yourself as one of the characters, which I find very interesting because they all seem to play very, very different. So... We have Layla, who is, uh, she has telekinetic powers. She can, like, put some additional things on the map that help you with traversal. We have another character who gives you some additional firepower and maybe freezes enemy in place so you can, like, pick them off. We have a sniper class. So there's lots of very different types of gunplay here and lots of different types of fighting styles. And I just find it fascinating that any of them is viable. Like, the balancing and the QA testing must be absolutely bonkers. I can't imagine how they pulled all of that off. But I'm really, really excited to see how this plays out. Sorry, this does not look too creepy for you. Because I know you're a little <laughs> bit of a wussy when it comes to the creepies. Oh, she just oh, said it. Uh, oh, I'm certified wussy. And <laughs> the reason why I'm okay is because I'm going to have friends with me. And it's okay. okay as long as I never go it alone. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that the art style gives me enough of that separation from, you know, photorealistic terror that like mm -hmm. we see in something like Callista Protocol where it, it doesn't you know, haunt my dreams quite as much as maybe something else would. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm going to be okay. But I'm definitely taking some friends along the way. That was the vibe I got to you while watching the trailer when the press conference opened. I was like, this, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be tense kind of creepy moments, but I don't think they're trying to scare the shit out of you with this game. That's not the vibe I'm getting. And when Arcane clarified that this is a story-driven game with a rich narrative, those are their quotes, not mine, uh, that really also got me excited, too, because I wasn't sure. You know, you see a game like this, you're like, okay, are we just playing in small little sandboxes? And it's like, okay, get to the safe house. Like, you don't know. But when they confirmed that, like, now, dog, this is, like, you know, story-driven, I thought that was so exciting. Open-world co-op game. Like, that's all my jam right there. I'm just really excited for this one. And I think uh, Arcane Austin just confirmed that you're not like whenever you're all playing together, you can all play the same character. You're not just like if you yes! pick Layla, yeah. it's not like anybody else. It's like you can have a team of four Laylas, which is amazing. Yes. Wow. And I love that. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how Arcane handles their reputation for narrative driven games, you know, that we've seen with like Dishonored or Prey or even, you know, um, most recently with Deathloop. Deathloop. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, but we <laughs> haven't really seen them succeed in this type of multiplayer setting. And so I, I'm hoping that, you know, they're bringing in people. I'm sure that they have to kind of tailor this. And obviously now that they're underneath Microsoft or Xbox Game Studios, they have more than enough talent to pull from to go and call some people in and be like, <laughs> hey, can you help us figure out how to balance this? Um, but I wasn't originally interested in Redfall, but 
hearing your excitement for it and kind of seeing people from the community reacting in these really positive ways, I'm like, okay, well, maybe we'll give this a try. Because yeah. I'm going to be honest, I think I've had a little bit of co-op multiplayer fatigue. Yeah, that's There's totally just been fair. a lot of like multiplayer shooters in general that have just been coming out. And I'm like, there's just so many. Like, how do I keep splitting my time? There are a lot, but you can try it with Game Pass. Oh, Ooh. there you go. Ooh. It's that value, everybody. Xbox, hire this woman again. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, we have lots more games to get to, like my pick. Ooh. And I talked about this show when Brittany and I were live streaming and so i'm gonna talk about it again because it's very good uh yes it's diablo 4 so <laughs> i did not anticipate seeing this much gameplay inside the xbox and bethesda showcase but of course it makes <clears throat> it makes sense that they would do it there because they're about to be, you know, new homies or whatever. Um, <laughs> I do want to remind people that the deal's still not done, but it should be done very, very shortly. But I was just blown away by how good this game looks. I think we've just been waiting for so long for this game to to come out that, you know, any kind of... If they had just shown this incredible cinematic trailer, I think people would have been satiated. would have been like, Oh, I'm bummed I want to see more but like also Blizzard is known for their incredible cinematics and Diablo is no exception obviously one of their more iconic um, franchises so I thought that this was all we were going to get and then on top of that we got the incredible lengthy gameplay trailer and I was like oh God, there's so much to see <laughs> so I'm I'm really pumped for this and I think maybe me being more pumped right now has a little bit to do with the fact that Diablo Immortal is out mm-hmm. right and I've been playing mm-hmm. and I know Britt you and I had um, planned to talk about it but we might hold our thoughts because we have so much to talk about this week but um Britt were you as excited as I was about this Diablo trailer? <laughs> oh, girl, it splooged all over the place. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Well, it's interesting because when we saw the cinematic trailer, you and I were having this back and forth like, is it Diablo? No. Could it be Diablo? No. Yeah. Is it? And then it was. And then, you know, that's when all the excitement left our bodies. Uh, but yeah, like watching the gameplay, and I know I've said this before, but you made the very good point that we've seen some tidbits of Diablo 4 gameplay before this lengthy, like 15 minute gameplay reveal or however long it was. Uh, But we hadn't seen that much. And so it wasn't until we actually were like sitting here on stream watching it that I just got all sorts of invigorated with Diablo lust. I was like, oh, my God, Like I did not realize how excited I was for this game. And I'm just so excited to see what they do with this multiplayer component, you know, with the open world aspect, the traveling from place to place. Like, how is that all going to look? How are they going to revamp the loot system? Are they going to revamp the loot system? Crossplay so and cross progression. Cross progression. Two. Yes. Yes. Oh man. And I'm so excited to see my barbarian baby girl. I want to know how many faces I can smash in. It just looks so, so good. No one does Diablo like Diablo. And of course, that's a no <laughs> shit Sherlock. That's well, a no sh- shit Sherlock. But a lot of people try to replicate it in true. their own mm-hmm. way. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I think that's a good point to remind people that this kind of top-down isometric RPG combat vibe is has been done, often imitated, never duplicated, right? Mm-hmm. And mm. Blizzard is renowned for Diablo and what they've done in this style of combat RPG. And I remember when they announced Diablo 4 and everyone, you know, kind of at Blizz kind of like lost their minds. <laughs> and then we all were like, oh, I guess we're... Um, not going to be able to see this for <laughs> however many years or what or whatnot. And so I think 
you know, the look that we got at the Xbox Bethesda showcase was why it was my pick of the show. I yeah. was very excited about it. So I will say I'm more excited about this now after trying the 12 and a half minutes of Diablo Immortal that I tried. 12 and a half minutes. Ooh, I made wow. it so far, y'all. You should be so proud of me. <laughs> but... <laughs> Because, like, this is not my jam. Like, top-down is just not yeah. my jam. I like to see the faces of the, the smashing or the yeah. smashing of the faces, mm. like, right up and close. And uh, I really do anticipate getting into this one because it's on console. Uh, I mean, I just don't play that type of game on my phone. It also took up a lot of memory. But yes. I- I'm really excited to try this one, and, and I'm really excited that it's so accessible <laughs> across the different platforms because, like, our friend group who plays together is across many different platforms, and the cross-progression is just mm. Mm, chef's kiss. Mm. Yes. Well, um, let's just keep moving right along, shall we? Rihanna, you yes. are up next with okay. your second pick yes. of so the show. I'm really excited. Brittany, just so you're aware, I'm going to save your second pick for last because I fe- have a feeling you have a plethora of things to say. <laughs> what gave you that idea? I'm like oh, sitting here just, like shaking. Just, I'm like, is it my turn? Is it my turn? Yet? Just knowing you and how you um, are, you know, with the things that you are fans of uh, and having, you know, covered multiple E3s and shows with you. You know, we do run a show together, so. Yeah, it's okay. We okay. love you. Yeah. Just the way you are. <laughs> just Keep the, the yeah. way yeah. you are. Oh, no. Now that's going to be in my head. Oh, when I see your Okay, so Rihanna, <laughs> perfect. Now we're going to get a content ID again. Wow, turn the show it. over. We already have one. Okay, never mind. Anyway, Rihanna, uh, yes. let's talk about your next pick. Yeah, let's talk about Cocoon. So I love any games. Oh, the vagina game. Yeah, vagina <laughs> game. I love vaginas I'm too. I'm glad you called it out because we were all thinking it. <laughs> oh, we called yeah. it out too on X-Play. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, yes, the onion vagina game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those things are great. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, when prepared and treated properly. So I really, really love indie games and I especially love indie games that like you don't know exactly what you're experiencing or you don't know exactly what the story of the world is or why you're this character or why you're doing the things you're doing until you get almost to the end. And this is from the creators of Inside and Limbo. And of course, a lot of people remember Limbo from, you know, I was it Xbox uh, ID or ID at Xbox program. Oh, gosh, I bet it was part of that program. I guess I just people I just assume people know Limbo as, a as being an award winning, amazing game. Precisely. And Inside uh, being the successor to Limbo. But I found honestly more impactful because of like sort of like the meta narrative behind what was going on. And I won't spoil it for people who still haven't tried it. If you would like to, please go find it. Um, but what I really love more than anything about these games is A, it's a puzzle game, which, you know, is absolutely my jam. But B, there's always something deeper. And there's always something to discover about, like, what your character is here for and what the world is really trying to tell you. And you usually don't find out until you've beaten the game and then you want to go play it again. And I really love that aspect of these, what I'm assuming is going to be a smaller, shorter experiences because that gives that replayability simply because you just love being in this world. Mm-hmm. And especially in puzzle games, like like games like cube two or even tetris effect connected like there, there's so much about that yeah, game that really absolutely. just stays with you and you just love going back to that space and these are like my comfort food games so mm-hmm. this is one that's honestly at the very top of my list for the next 12 months according to xbox i'm glad that you called this out because i think it's one that maybe went a little um overlooked because there's a lot of indie shown across all of the different showcases that happen with the exception of course of capcom's showcase um, but there were so many good, brilliant indie games that we saw, and it's sometimes hard to 
highlight them all. Yeah. So, but this is a, a good one. Good pick. Yeah. Thanks. Um, mm-hmm. And Emily, your next pick is actually an interesting kind of off the beaten path pick, but also a really excellent pick as well. Yes. So uh, for those who don't know me, I'm a huge, huge, huge VR fan. I love the VR space. I think there's so much we can do with it. And it's just honestly amazing how far VR has just come in the last five years alone. So I was really excited to see during the PlayStation State of Play this June, uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain for the PSVR 2. Two. 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 <laughs> Very excited. Because <laughs> um, we saw like a little taste of this a while ago where like you saw um, you were clearly in a boat going down a river and there was a tall neck kind of cresting over you. And I was like, yes, exactly. Like this is the kind of world I want to experience in VR. So in this game, you are not playing as Aloy. You are Rias, who is a Shadow Karja prisoner seeking to redeem himself by investigating a new threat to the sundown, Sundom. And uh, they have confirmed that Aloy will appear in the game. Nice. Excellent. As, yes. as well as, as like re- new and returning characters. But I just like love this being able to horizon i think is like it's such a cool creative universe and a unique take on it and just like all the gameplay we got to see in this trailer climbing the mountain going in the river swimming through i'm really interested to see what combat is like i think at one point we do see uh rias holding a bow and arrow and yeah doing these jumps in vr uh a little worried about the nausea element of that <laughs> yeah as always um but i just I mean like what a cool colorful place to explore my big hope we don't see it in this trailer but i really really hope we actually when we meet up with aloy in the game we get to ride on the back of a machine with her yes. and just get oh. to experience the world through that because like if you said or climb up on a tall neck and see the world from the top of a tall neck because if you ask me like what do you want to do in vr in the horizon space i just want to ride those machines <laughs> or, or just see the world or do cool things but yeah climbing the mountain i'm so so excited for this game and for the psvr2 in general when it is announced when we get a price tag and <laughs> when it will uh, finally release yeah i would be happy if this game had no combat at all even if it was little to no oh, story, so just let me fact, exist. There yeah. is two different modes to this game. There is okay, the single okay. player first story mode, which is going to have your combat, going to have your exploration, and then there's river ride experience. So oh you're going to just it's like get a to like ride. exactly. You're just going to okay. you're going to get to essentially jungle cruise it up uh, and just uh, <laughs> go on the boat and just go on an extended boat tour through this world, which I think is so smart because you're going to have people who are like, I just want an experience in VR. I don't necessarily like want gameplay. And I think yeah. I love that it caters to both audiences. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what I was thinking is because the combat in Horizon is some of the best, right? It's so fast paced. There's so many gadgets and gizmos at your disposal. <laughs> I just don't know how that's going to translate into VR well. I mean, obviously, you got to take any VR game with a grain of salt and be like, okay, I'm a little bit more forgiving this time around. But yeah, you were saying, I want to look up and see the tall necks. I want to be able to like crouch in the grass and like sneak up on those little tiger machine fuckers that are so aggressive, but I love them so much. (laughs) You know, like that's the kind of shit I'm really excited about. But um, I'm down to go for a river cruise. Sure. Sounds lovely. Yeah. Oh, River Cruise. It feels like I could actually maybe get out of the house and go somewhere. You could. Leave my child behind. Just kidding. I love you, baby. You're the best. As Everything's great. Bring her along in VR. Oh. <laughs> Little baby, baby <laughs> VR headset. Little baby VR. I could maybe bring her along in VR. Um, so I kind of had some trouble picking my last um, game because I'm going to be honest. I, not a lot blew my skirt up over the last mm. 10 mm-hmm. days or whatnot that we've been managing these um, 
these announcements in these trailers. And like, it's been fun, like watching everything that everyone has been doing. But I think at the same time, I kind of have a little bit of um, fatigue for um, all the games we've already seen. Cause that was a thing that we really noticed that across all of the conferences, it was like, Oh, we've already seen this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've already seen this. Um, but a game that we've already seen that I was absolutely okay to see again is the one about the cats. Because y'all Stray. know I love the cats. <laughs> um, and when I first saw Stray, I wasn't like super drawn to it, even though you would think, Andrea, cat lady, why, why weren't you instantly in love with this game? And I think it was because there's been a bunch of cat games over the last couple of years that have just been like, mm, they've been okay. But y'all, when the State of Play came out with its new look, at Stray, I was like, okay, 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 okay. Uh, I'm in. I'm in all the way. This looks amazing. The graphics look way better than I anticipated uh, based off the first um, kind of small look that we got at the game. And I'm just like, I'm in. I'm all the way in on Stray and all the little kitty cats and them running around this really interesting world. Um, the verticality of the levels seems such a great fit for felines and how they love to climb and be in high places. And I'm interested to learn more about kind of the progression system in this game and kind of how, you know, it's all going to work together. But also it's just like, it feels like I'm just going to be constantly taking cute screenshots of (laughs) like the kitty doing cute stuff. I've been trying to figure out like, what is the whole point of this game? Is there Mm -hmm. a point? You know, and I was just reading the Steam description and everything is essentially like, yeah, just basically like be a cat. The cat, along the way, the cat befriends a drone, I guess, known as B12, and they're trying to find a way out. Maybe that's the whole point of this game. All I want to make sure is that the cat cannot be hurt. And if the cat Uh can be hurt, I don't want it to be anything intense. Just maybe it goes like, I don't know, maybe it it doesn't even acknowledge it. Because listen, cats are strong as shit. They don't acknowledge Mm -hmm. pain even when they have it. They don't. I just don't want that. I can't handle that. You know what I mean? I can't handle it right now. I'm too much of a softy for that shit. But this game looks really cute. And I hope it's the kind that you can just sit down and just play and just relax. Maybe yeah. you want to lick your butt. I don't know. Well, what do you do as a cat? I mean, yes, they do do that. I mean, I can't deny it. Um, but I hope that they don't build that in as a mechanic because it's kind of weird. I could definitely <laughs> see people really indulging in that quite a bit if it is. In right? The game. That'd be, like, yeah. no, I just, you know, we all like have hygiene things that we do on a daily day, day-to-day basis. <laughs> it's like taking a shower. There's no reason no it's not no it's not the same and you know it we don't need some of those things to be a playable mechanic in a video game okay a qte lick your ass no <laughs> and then immediately put your butthole in front of the camera of your own yeah. oh my god do you know that they make like little like hang tags that you can put on your cat's yes. tail yes. to like cover like, your cat's see, butthole. I forget, yeah, it's like I forget what they called them. It was <laughs> a really little gems. Yeah. Oh wow. Butt gem. Yeah. It's a way to you know make sure that your anus of your cat is not just out to the world. <sighs> Twinkle tush. Twinkle tush. Oh, oh, that's good. That's a good one. Is that what they're called? Uh huh. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's a great name. Yeah. Twinkle tush. I like it. Can I give a quick shout out to another game that had a cute animal? Um. Yeah. And don't then have we have to, to get to, then we have to get to Britney's. Pick of all picks. <laughs> okay. Before Brittany gets to her pick of all picks, and we know she's going to pick it all over the place, um, I would really like to give a shout out to Flintlock. And oh, going back okay. to your point of games we've seen over and over again, I was very intrigued by this, simply because it looked fun. You know, you're like running around the world, you're fighting bosses, all that good stuff, you know, the, the typical thing that we all love. However, you have a cute animal, and I don't even know what it is. 
It's like it looks like a little fennec fox or something. Yeah. yeah, it looked really hella adorable, and I love a little adorable companion, especially when they can kick ass. And I'm very excited about that one. And so Flintlock, I don't think we know too many details about like what you're actually doing in the world. We did see gameplay, of course, it was in the Xbox Bethesda mm-hmm. showcase, which <clears throat> promised nothing but gameplay for the next twelve months. Frost <laughs> actually researched this game recently, so I remember a little bit from our our live stream. Okay, mm-hmm. basically, you live in a world that's overrun by like kind of these magical gods and mm-hmm. the undead. So you are part of this organization that is like, we're done. Humanity's finished having its shit wrecked. Clearly, we're about to. We're, so you go to. You go to uh, close the largest portal. Okay, so it's yeah. very Souls-like gameplay. That's mm-hmm. what they've described it as. Uh, and, yep, it's called Flintlock because it is, revolves around the age of uh, the gunpowder. The gunpowder has just been invented. Yeah. And, of course, the Flintlock pistol is uh, one of your weapons. Dope. Plus, you have a cute little animal. And <laughs> Yay! I'm hoping animal that has a name. Talking about my animal friend? <laughs> I just want to pet it. And, like, at the very end, they had this, this closing screen where the, the lead character is sitting next to the said animal just overlooking this beautiful vista. And they're just hanging out, and the animal does little animal motions. And I was like, they should have pet you. Can you should they should have said you can pet the dog like i just really wanted Ooh. to see that on screen because that was the question that i had oh, should they so the let, me pull, let me pull up the animal the, the shot that reese yeah very in okay last, so last i'm on seconds. i'm on the steam page and one of the little bullet points is forge a bond like no other join oh. norvanek a member of the coalition army and your companion enki a strange <laughs> creature gifted with magical powers and their personal vendetta against the gods I, wow. I want a plushie. I would really appreciate <laughs> I E-N-K-I. Make dog costumes, please. Like, just all of the above. <laughs> just <laughs> inject it into my veins, please. Cute animals. I think I think that that, that animal deserves a plushie for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Enki. Mm-hmm. Oh, I heart them. But the feet. The, I don't like the chicken feet. Those got to, like, put some little fuzzy socks on them. And <laughs> but then they'll do that weird thing where they can't yeah. walk normally. <laughs> Oh no, they do. My cats hate it when I put anything on their feet. They can't walk anywhere. They like, like lay stick down. Up a leg, yeah. yeah, they like lay down. Yeah. They're like, "Why did you do this to me? I hate you." That's oh true. That's all right, true. Brit's pick. Let's do it. So I'm gonna be honest, Brit. I all I have really in my mind is that it's obviously Resident Evil based, but there was so much Resident Evil news between the state of play and the Capcom showcase. I don't know where you want to start. Well, you know, it's like, I'll just recap it for you, baby girl. If you go into our show notes, I have a nice little link there to some footage you can play as I gush all over it because that's kind of what I do. Perfect. That's what I do. Okay, yeah. So, worst kept secret in the video game industry, Resident Evil 4 Remake is an official thing. (gasps) That is happening. And, oh, the way they opened it up. Oh, they just fucking (laughs) opened it up with a release date Mm -hmm. at the PlayStation State of Play. So bold. you had that beautiful string music in the background, guitar, but I don't know if it was actual guitar, whatever it was. And then just an R showed up. And the minute that we got this R, that was it. I lost it. I fucking lost it because <laughs> I knew. I just knew every hair on my body was standing straight up. Um, yeah. And so then we actually got a lot of footage. We didn't get – I don't think we got gameplay until the – Capcom showcase. The Capcom showcase. Thank you. I can't keep them all straight. Uh, yeah, we didn't get gameplay until that, but I have some takeaways because, of course, I do. And so I'll just kind of like run through those real quick. So, Resident Evil 4, this takes place six years after Resident Evil 2, which is obviously Leon Kennedy's first little like parade to Resident Evil. Uh, and he is now working f- with or for the president as his bodyguard, and he is now sent to a small European town, it's kind of like how they're describing it, to rescue the president's daughter, Ashley. And in Resident Evil 4, um, the original one, you know, it, 
obviously, like, I played on the GameCube. I know a lot of people played it on the PlayStation 2, but, like, this game is old. But it's still critically acclaimed, and a lot of folks consider it to be the best Resident Evil ever. So it's just really fascinating to see what kind of treatment Capcom is going to give Resident Evil 4 Remake. And obviously, this is an RE engine. We just saw Ganado been totally revamped. They actually look creepy. There's some zealots there in the hallway. There's Ada. There's Leon on the lake. There's Ashley. Like, it just looks so fucking good. Um, and the mood that I'm getting from this is much more somber than the tone that you kind of when you that you get from the original Resident Evil. You know, in that game, Leon is almost comic relief, and I know that's kind of this sounds weird if you've you know played Resident Evil too. You're probably thinking like, well, you know, he doesn't really seem like the comic relief guy, but he's really snarky and kind of cocky and confident. And there's just some brilliant one-liners in the original Resident Evil Four. But just watching this footage, you know, it just doesn't look like they're, that's the kind of tone that they're going to go for. And so the official description says that it's reimagined for 2023, that they're preserving the essence of the original game while introducing modernized gameplay, a reimagined storyline, et cetera, et cetera. So this kind of tells me that they're going to go along the Resident Evil 2 remake route, which is like, hey, like the core stuff's all going to be there. But maybe we'll introduce some new set pieces and we're going to maybe make Leon more accurate, uh, give him more of an accurate personality that reflects in the later games. Because in the later games, you know, he's much more like, whoa, whoa, it was me. I shove at Hot Topic all the time. I love Hot Topic. <laughs> Not a dig at Hot Topic. Like, don't get me wrong. Uh, so I'm just really curious because there's also some just kind of fun parts of Resident Evil 4 that everyone thinks about. If you're, if you've played, I'm thinking of like the Salazar statue. If you've never played that game, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck is that?" But it's essentially this huge statue based off of this really silly antagonist that chases Leon through a chase scene with QTEs, and it's just like so weird. That whole game is fucking weird. <laughs> but it's just a lot of stuff that doesn't seem like it would fit for the tone they're going for. Anyway, um, really, really great stuff. I'm really excited to see where they go with it, uh, and you can move all aiming. Now that again, seems like a look. I know, I know. But at, back in the day, Re, you had to stop and you had to aim and you had to do this and you had to do that. You couldn't actually move. I guess Leon's leg became like 500 pounds each when he was aiming. I don't know. There was no canon reason for it. Wait, he was engaging so his core. Leon's leg became like 500 pounds each. Excuse me. That, yeah, that's why he couldn't move while he was aiming. Mm. That's the canon I've come up with, Andrew. Well, you know, somebody had to write the canon for this because Capcom clearly wasn't doing it. No. Right. <laughs> That's fine. So, Brittany, I'm it's glad you took it upon yourself to do so. I, You know, I did it. Fanfiction.net. Let's put it up there. <laughs> um, okay. So, that's Resident Evil 4. We honestly, like, don't know a heck of a lot other than, again, reimagined storyline, updated graphics, RE engine. Again, that's the mood we're all getting from it is, like, okay, like, they're going to do some things a little differently. It might not be as cheesy as, like, or B-movie-esque as the first one, which camp. is not a bad thing. We all love yeah. camp. camp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Camp. Yeah. Exactly. We'll, we'll see what they do with it. Yeah. Okay. The next big piece of Resident Evil that we got was the – oh, and all, all by the way, it's coming out March 24th, 2023, which is – 23rd, I thought. Wasn't it I have 24. Two, three, two, three. Well, it would be it would be better if it was twenty three because it would be four two three two three. But I have four two three two four two three two three four two you know? four three two four two three. Eleven eleven twenty twenty two. Starfield Rip. no longer happening. Oh man. Aww. Aww. Uh, okay. So I'll okay. run through this next big piece of Resident Evil news, which yes. is the rose dlc i believe the official title of it is called the shadows of rose which is like okay drama queen it's but beautiful. cool you go on with your bad self um yeah shadows of rose okay and so this now takes place 
16 years after, I guess, the end of Resident Evil Village. And if you haven't played Resident Evil Village, this whole trailer just kind of like spoils Ethan's <laughs> fate. It kind of, you know, tells you what happens to the baby. Go spoiler, she grew up. So I guess that, you know, if you don't want to know any about, anything about that, like, I don't know, go outside, touch some grass. It's, um, it's too late now. You've yeah, already spoiled it. It's too it. late. You're, <laughs> you're screwed. Anyway, yeah, so it follows Rose. And obviously, for many different weird reasons that I won't go into, she has these very interesting powers at her disposal. And she's an angsty 16-year-old. That's my interpretation anyway. And she's like, I just want to live a normal life. Mm -hmm. And so she decides that she wants to try to get rid of her powers. And in order to do that, she goes back to, um, it looks like the very village that res that tried to kill her back in the day. Or maybe it's because she touches this thing called the Megamycete, and it's a it's a big deal of Resident Evil lore. But again, I'm not going to go into the hairy details on that. Um, <laughs> anyway, when she touches that, it takes her into this mysterious realm of consciousness, quote, quote, quote. And we see some brief glimpses of her in a lab. We see her uh, the in Duke the Duke is there. And the Duke is there. We see her in Lady Dimitris' house with the Duke. And it's all kind of this alternate reality. So we don't really know. What, what, do, you t what do you make of the Duke wearing a mask trying to, like, essentially hurt Rose? Like, he doesn't seem like the kind of character that would do that. But I don't know. Like, we don't really know. And maybe we'll learn some of those interesting details during this DLC. But as she's exploring, there's this interesting like character that we never see named Michael, who's communicating to her by writing random things on the wall. Like, cool, whatever. <laughs> Honestly, this just looks like a, a mind fuck. Uh, it looks like a really trippy, weird so piece of DLC. So it looks like Resident Evil. <laughs> it looks like, but even like a little more bonkers than Resident Evil. It's like kind of like one step further. And the thing that I'm the most curious about is I'm wondering how is... How is this going to end and how is it going to tie the series together? Um, not only is it interesting that it's in third person because Village has been, Village and Seven were all in first person, which is Ethan's perspective. But now for this, they're getting her third person, which is how all the other games historically have been besides like the OG, like top down tank controls. Um, are they going to take away her powers? If so, what does that mean for her in the future of the series? Is she going to be an integral part? It's hard because this takes place 16 years after Village. So what happens in those 16 years? Anyway, obviously, like, I could talk about this forever. But lots of interesting questions. It comes out October 28th as part of what's called the Winter's Expansion, which also has um, new characters from Mercenaries, Lady D, Heisenberg. I think Chris Redfield's in there as well. Um, and then you also get third-person mode for Village, which is another, like, interesting, like, beard scratcher. Like, hmm, interesting choice there. Mm. I'm just excited to see all the ways they hide Ethan's face in that game because that's just been like the thing they do. Anyway, very cool, very interesting shit. I'm incredibly excited because this DLC is just coming in a few months and more Resident Evil for me. That means I got to talk about it more. All you know Resident I mean? Evil all the time. Yeah, exciting shit. <laughs> okay, I got it out of my system. Thanks. Hey, this is what the show is for, for you to have a verbal slooge about the things that you love. Thanks, do you get me? <laughs> I do, I do get you. And on that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, lots more news to go over. We'll be back in a minute. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Backbone. What's holding you back from the ultimate gaming experience? Is it the hundreds of dollars it costs for your setup? Or are you the busy on-the-go type with only minutes to spare? Level up your game with Backbone, the universal gaming essential that lets you instantly play hundreds of console games on your iPhone, no console required. 
Backbone is the newest game-changing essential that transforms your iPhone into a, ha- into a handheld console so you can play anywhere, anytime. Simply plug in your iPhone to the Backbone and enjoy console quality controls with responsive buttons and triggers, clickable analog sticks, and more as you play Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and App Store games. The last time I talked about my backbone, I talked about, not my little backbone, the product backbone. I talked about how it was a lifesaver when I was breastfeeding my son. But now that I'm out of that stage of my life, I have been using my backbone here to play a little game called Diablo Immortal. Because I am old and I cannot hold my phone horizontally and play games on it that long before all the blood drains from my hand and then they are tingling. But with a backbone, it's like playing, you know with a controller it's comfortable it's ergonomic your my hand doesn't lose sensation it's a win-win-win so if you're enjoying immortal as much as i am then maybe you might want to check out the backbone just a little piece of advice now if you don't own a console no problem you can stream hundreds of games like fifa halo minecraft and more through cloud gaming services like xbox game pass nvidia geforce now and google stadia and even if you already have a PlayStation, Xbox, or PC, you can play games you own with remote, with remote play or the Steam Link app. Experience for yourself what TechCrunch calls, quote, the closest we've ever seen to a portable Xbox. So go to playbackbone.com slash what's good now to order your backbone until June 30th and get free access to over 350 console games and perks, including one month free of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, one month free of Apple Arcade, two months free of Google Stadia Pro, and three months free of Discord Nitro. Find your next adventure at playbackbone.com slash what's good. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our recap of the summer of gaming that has happened over the last two weeks. Now, while we all chose our two favorite announcements from the showcases, there are just a couple big items that we want to call out. So before we talk about Starfield, I want to call out The Last of Us Part 1 remake that was leaked just hours before the summer Game Fest stream and then obviously confirmed by Neil Druckmann on stage with Jeff Keighley. And I had to be real. I, I thought that Sony wasn't going to invest money in this. I was like, they made a remastered version of this. The remaster is great. Why on earth would they dump probably $30 million plus into a remake? But some of the side-by-sides that we got to see were really impressive. And I'm glad that they still got to do a, a, you know, a showcase for this. Are any of you big Last of Us fans? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, Emily, you like you're very you're much more like assertive with your yes. Mm. So are you super stoked for this? I was gonna say high five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll high five you. <laughs> um, I'm interested in this. I really want to see the big thing for me. I think yeah, the graphical improvements are impressive. We have we have Tess and we have Ellie, especially looking. Uh, less like kind of cartoon women, if that makes sense. And more mm-hmm. like real women, which I thought was really, really interesting. They kind of read, they made their models a little bit more realistic. And then, but for me, the big kicker is two things. One, it's gameplay because the whole point of this is that it, the gameplay is, I believe it's going to match part two. So it's right. completely revamped gameplay, which if we know from part two, there's a lot of parts where like Ellie can just go prone on the ground and crawl around. Like, is that how Joel's going to interact? Will he have that ability? And will that change the levels that we've played and have been familiar with in the last of us, 
now part one. I did like that change. I was like, mm, I do like that. Now we have a part one and a part two, and it makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that gets me, though, is back to your point. This is the third time this game has come out in 10 years, and it's at a $70 price point. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, is like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a game uh, day one buy for me because of that. And I'm like, I'm like, why? I get it. I, it's it's a little tough to see games now go from like the 50 to 60 to 70 in like the last couple of years, which it's like, all right, here we go, more expensive games. But yeah, I'm really curious about this one. But the price point is just, it's killing me. I honestly think part one is a lot better than part two. That's also my personal kind of thing, just narrative and gameplay wise. But- I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think, okay, gameplay, I don't want to get and we could literally have a whole podcast about that. Um, but story-wise, I liked part one better than part two. And I think that there's, you know, obviously debates to be had about that as well. I think for me, I just don't understand why they're using resources, like I said, to to do this when the remaster was so well done. But, I mean, it looks good. Will people buy this? Yes. And I think this is just once again PlayStation first party putting their dick on the table and saying <laughs> you want it come and buy it for $70 and the fans will They're they absolutely it. will it's almost absolutely. like a Nintendo move it is a very Nintendo <laughs> but better move. because you know why they're actually making the game better and they're making it worth this extra $70. And I wish Nintendo would sometimes look at some of their legacy titles and go like, how can we truly make this a reason why fans want to buy it Don't get me started, Andrea Renee. I Don't. know. And then no. uh, somebody in one of our comments recently came at me very fairly and was like, you know, Nintendo's just over there being like, if it ain't broke, <laughs> just keep buying it. <laughs> and we do. Yeah. And we do. <laughs> Uh, you know, no I never shame. thought I'd want to replay The Last of Us because, like, I played it. I had my experience with it. I enjoyed it. And I still think about that game because it just really stuck with me. But like you were saying, Emily, seeing some of, like, the side-by-side comparisons. And it's been so long. What When did that game even come out? I 2013, I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Originally? Like, I was, Let me double check. I think I you were saying, like, last. nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was still in training bras back then. I mean, not really. But, <laughs> like, the point is, is, you know, like, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, and 2013. Okay, 2013. And now that I kind of I know what happens in that game, like deaths won't be surprising to me. It's almost after experiencing The Last of Us Part 2 and how fucking traumatic that game was, mm-hmm. The Last of Us almost feels like going back to like, I don't know, like a Disney game. It's, it's like simpler cool. Time. Like, simpler times. Like that's, I know who's gonna that's die. A I know stretch, but okay. <laughs> okay. Like I know who's gonna die. I know when they're gonna die. There's no anxiety like replaying that i think it'd be a really good refresher um so i think i think i'm gonna be one of those suckers that pays the 70 dollars unless playstation you want to send your girl over a review copy but, uh, <laughs> so elizabeth sheridan wrote in and said what do you ladies think about the tilu remake i played it for the first time last year and it didn't feel outdated at all see that's what i'm saying elizabeth mm-hmm. you get it mm-hmm. is it just a publicity thing for the show or for the multiplayer game they tease so that was the other mm-hmm. announcement that finally was confirmed that Naughty Dog is, in fact, working on a factions game that they're not calling factions. It's untitled for now, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But this is the thing that's been highly anticipated from fans for a long time of the multiplayer community for Uncharted because obviously Part 2 didn't have any multiplayer component to it. And there was rumors that they'd been working on this multiplayer thing for a long time. And then Neil's like, you got us. We're working on it. (laughs) Um, But we don't have any details. We're just going to give you a couple, like, teasers of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, but like LA. No- nothing com- concrete. Yeah. I think it's San Francisco, right? I think that was the Golden Gate oh, that we saw. Yeah, I just saw the palm trees. 
Uh, but John was like, it could be the Brooklyn Bridge. And I was like, well, I'd have to go back and actually like analyze the screens. I didn't. I just saw like an iconic looking bridge and I was like, oh, it's the Golden Gate. And he's like, no, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. And I was like, I don't feel like arguing. <laughs> I, we could go frame by frame, but I, I'm good. Uh, it could literally be either of those locations because both were touched in the franchise. But I don't know. I, I never got into Uncharted multiplayer. It was never for me. I always thought the shooting felt like Uncharted, mm. which, you know, is not why you play Uncharted. No. You don't play it for the gunplay. <laughs> Agreed. No, yeah. I think it, I think it's half and half to answer to answer your user's question. I think it's half of it is uh, definitely like, hey there, fans. Have you ever played The Last of Us? Well, now it's updated. And guess what? We got this fresh new show coming out with Pedro Pascal. Uh, why don't you check it out? I think it's definitely that. And also, too, yeah, factions as well. And just like they're just like this is. And also, I think it was it's it was its anniversary this week, The Last of Us. So the first one, the first one. Yep. And so everything's kind of really timed out. Well, we're in this weird like Last of Us renaissance. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about the show. But yeah, I'm, I, it's just, it was such an interesting, you would think that you would lead with factions first, but of course, I'm sure that they had to lead with part one because of the leak that morning, which Neil played it off like a champ. That was, that was, he did a very great job. Yeah. He, he's been around the block a few times. He knows how to, to roll with the punches, but I agree, Emily. I think it's just getting some of that mind share back for The Last mm-hmm. of Us part one and like reminding people of what was so special about the original coming out, obviously. Part two had lots of reactions from both fans and not so many fans mm-hmm. and, and people who, who had a lot of opinions about the the way that the story and the narrative were handled. But part one was a fantastic game, both technically and critically and narratively. Like all of those experiences, we still remember 10 years later. Like I won't spoil the moment for folks who really still haven't gotten a chance to play the first one, but there's a moment. What are you, you waiting for? It was literally almost 10 years <laughs> ago. <laughs> there's a moment where you discover a, a certain type uh, of, of wildlife and it's just, it's just so impactful. And there's so many moments like that in part one that are, are really special. And for a gaming audience that maybe 10 years ago didn't have access to PlayStation games, this is a really great moment to jump back in. I do agree the $70 price point 10 years later is a tough sell but it'll sell and you know nintendo does it and we're all suckers for that shit and Mm -hmm. i don't think this is going to be any different i think it's actually a really smart move well it's going to make them a lot of money it will indeed it will the (laughs) other really smart move and kind of the big i don't want to call it a shocker but it was certainly the a moment in the xbox bethesda show that had britney going what (gasps) what oh my god what i never saw it coming it was just right there it was just right there we just had to do it it's a bop y'all yes oh my god like this is a thing everyone's wanted and i don't know if people were talking about this like it was rumored whatever the fuck i was excited i was so stoked for this so persona 4 golden persona 5 royal and persona 3 portable not to be confused with persona fes or short for festival another version of the game uh, is coming to Xbox and it's coming to actually PlayStation five and PC as well. Not coming to switch, which I feel like is the one console. Come on. Like I really, I really, what did I say? It? What did I say? It's it. never coming to switch. Uh, I want to so like, I really want to know the inside yeah. of why I though. I'm like, does somebody have like, does somebody at Atlas have bad blood? No, it can't be. Cause a lot of other Atlas games are on switch. <laughs> so it's like, is it something specifically? Did they like, did PlayStation like put a lot of money down and like, 
anyone else but not Nintendo. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Our biggest competitor is Nintendo. Because, like, the Switch can run this game if it can one, run The oh, Witcher yeah. 3. I mean, maybe maybe you're on to something. Because it was, like, you have the, all the Persona games on the PS Portable. You have them on the <laughs> PSP. Maybe maybe uh, Sony's still being like, mm, our portable system's just a little bit better, and we love it still. Or we love our little child. It's probably some boring yeah. licensing issue. <laughs> I mean, that's, like, yeah, really, that's loophole. probably, like, Persona 4 was a PS2 game, I think, and so was Persona 3. So, like, they're, they're old games. So, obviously, like, you're getting Golden, which is, like, the, the best version of it. You're getting Royal of 5, but then Persona 3, you're getting the portable version, which is, like, it's all complicated and weird. I'm not going to get into it. Um, but, no, it's really exciting. And uh, maybe it was PS. You can get Persona 3 FES on PS3. That's what it is. Irrelevant. Um, I've never played Persona 3, and I immediately texted one Christine Steimer because she's my Persona partner in crime. And I was like, oh my God. And she was like, oh my God. And none of us either. She hasn't played Persona 3 either. So this is going to be a really good way to do it because, like, listen, I, unless it's on my Switch, I don't want to play anything portable. You know, like, I'm spoiled now. I still have my PSP. I still have all those old ancient relics of a past <laughs> era. But, you know, I'm just spoiled with it. So I'm just really, this is going to be a good treadmill game, is what I'm saying. Persona 3 treadmill game. Let's go. Is and it coming to Game Pass? I think so. Yeah, it said on that yeah. screen it's coming game to all yeah, okay. the yeah. little Microsofties. And so also, too. I could xCloud it on my phone. Yes. Mm. Oops, you could see? xCloud it on your phone with your backbone. <gasps> wink. Oh. <laughs> and Persona that wink was not sponsored by Backbone, but thank you, Backbone, for sponsoring this episode. I think Persona 3 Portable is the only Persona title where you have the female main character option, which is yes. great. Please, Persona 6. All I want to do is play as a lady and be able to that date would be the lovely. cute boys. I love <laughs> yes. that. Please. Yes. Oh. If you're out there listening, just, you know, yeah, give us some gender options. That's all we ask. Yeah. Um, so we had to include that. And like the last blurb that we just want to spend just a tiny second on before we get to the big the big news of the week, Starfield, um, was Hideo Kojima officially <laughs> announced his rumored project with Xbox. But, like, did he, though? He basically <laughs> came on in his, you know, very <laughs> Kojima-san um, way and was like, so I've got this really wild, weird, wacky idea that nobody <laughs> wants to fund, but then Xbox gave me money. So it's going to come to Xbox, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Just know it's me, Kojima-san, so it's going to be cool. In the cloud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for getting that. I think my favorite part of this whole thing is the change.org petition. Oh, no. Oh, no. I haven't heard about this. What? Seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. 18, it has 1,800 signatures, and here's the blurb, ladies. <clears throat> Kojima is betraying his loyal fans. Oh, my God. He has been blinded by greed. <laughs> we must help him come back to the winning side. Please share this petition everywhere. Not everyone has good enough internet to stream games. Not everyone has enough money to buy a new console or build a new P PC. Please, Kojima, don't leave us. Like, legit. It's oh literally coming to your phone. What are you talking about? Also, also oh. he's not leaving. He's just going over to the neighbor's house saying hi. He's going to come back. He, oh, well, I mean, Nor we just talked about Norma Reedus already confirmed Death Stranding 2. <laughs> it's so wild. And then Kojima Productions had a, put out an official tweet saying, after the announcement of our partnership with Microsoft using the cloud technology, many people have asked us about our collaboration with SIE. Yes. Please be assured that we continue to have a very good partnership with PlayStation, registered trademark symbol as well, hashtag Kojima Productions. <laughs> basically, basically, Kojima Productions is like, we taking everybody's money, bitches. Why? Don't worry. Why not? 
Right, Kojima exactly. saw me sprinkling his shit around. I mean, as he should. He's a single man as in the a industry. Person, I appreciate that they said that. However, it's just sad they had to respond to a bunch of people crying. <laughs> like, come <sighs> on, come on, y'all. More games for more people. Yeah. It's gonna be fine. I yeah, love the console yeah. wars. <sighs> yes, exactly. Tiring, which are you know, slowly and slowly going away. Um, as yeah. Brittany and I saw a a demo. Uh, in the Samsung Gaming Hub <laughs> with a PlayStation controller that we were playing Halo with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no longer a marketing asset issue. No. It's actually real life. <laughs> yes. And people, like, be coming for marketing, people being like, that's not real. It's like, actually, it can be real with the way technology is now. So just, like, simmer down and be mad about something legitimate. Yeah. There's yeah. lots to that. really be mad about, y'all. Correct. Yeah. There's yeah. way more, like, real world issues to be angry. Mm. Uh, but we're not angry about the fact that we we finally get a nice juicy look at Starfield from Bethesda Game Studios. We got to see Todd. I'm so glad that he came on stage. <laughs> on stage, big air quotes. And his like cute little jacket. Uh, looking great, Todd. And this gameplay trailer looked looked excellent. Looked phenomenal. And no surprise that everybody who was, you know, at least a little bit hyped for this game was like, oh my god, Starfield. Um, so, Brittany, you have like four or five Starfield stories in the show notes here. How do you want to? <laughs> how do you want to go just, over these? <laughs> I'll just quickly go through them, and then I'll toss to Emily because during the pre-show, pre-show mm-hmm. before we start recording, she mentioned something about Todd Howard taking her kids. So I think she's very excited <laughs> about, about <laughs> this kid, allegedly. Um, yeah. So yeah, we got a bunch of gameplay and got a lot of people's panties in a tight and twisted pleasurable bundle. But since then, I believe IGN did a pretty meaty uh, interview with Todd Howard. And these are the articles that have come out since this gameplay reveal. The first one is that Starfield's main quest is about 20% bigger than previous Bethesda games, about 30 to 40 hours long. No. The next ar- Like I said before, no. oh. Todd, I got shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 30 to 40 hours, like, I feel like that's okay. I feel like that's no, not that's do- one quest. No, 30 to 40 gonna- hours? That's, like, that's false. That's fake news. <laughs> that's critical I know. Pass. Fake news. I was going to say, if that number was accurate, cool, but we know it's not going to be. If it's All right. 20% bigger than their other RPGs, like, yeah. Yeah, he said it's longer due to the sheer number of quests. Quote, this one's ending up a little longer, and we made two, not some still. It's more quests, so it might be 20%. As Christine Steimer would say, edit, edit, edit. Yes. Trim mm-hmm. the fat if she was here. Um, the next article is Starfield has four main cities, and New Atlantis is the biggest city Bethesda has ever made. So that's kind of like cool, I guess, if you're into that. Next one, Starfield doesn't let you fly seamlessly from space to planet. That's just not really that important, according to Todd Howard. And finally, <laughs> Starfield space combat is unique and inspired by FTL and Mech Warrior. So obviously, like all of those articles you can deep dive into, go to IGN and it goes into more details. But I felt the title of those summed it up pretty much. Yeah. what you're going to learn from that. Okay, so Emily, what's got y'all hot and bothered about this? Oh, so much. I think the biggest thing for me, and like I lost my mind on stream when I saw it, the return, oh, bless them, the return to the to the NPC dialogue punch-in, first-person yes. punch-in. We haven't seen that since Oblivion. I thought it was after I, Skyrim came out. I thought it was obsolete. Well, we saw it in Fallout, right? No, not Fallout 4. Oh, no, not Fallout 4. We saw it in Fallout 3, yeah. So post-Skyrim, I was like, after because the Skyrim dialogue was okay because you just would kind of like do a slight zoom in. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, so we're not doing this really big kind of character portrait punch-in. But seeing that, knowing that 
ah, below there was going to be a big juicy dialogue selection. And also Todd confirming, or Bethesda, at least the Bethesda Twitter confirming on Monday, that uh, your character will not be voiced. That was a big contention point. We just did a Fallout 4 retro review, kind of building up to a Starfield announcement, just kind of revisiting their last big RPG, what, what we could learn from that game to see how it would apply to Starfield, especially combat-wise. This is going to be the most polished combat we've ever seen from Bethesda, and I'm really excited about that. But yeah, just because the voicing of the character in Fallout 4, I didn't like it. I don't like yeah. it. I like this bullet- shot specifically mm. in the trailer reminded me so much of Outer Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just reminded me, oh, yeah, Obsidian made a Fallout game <laughs> in case y'all forgot. Um, and I think it's really interesting to kind of see them, as you mentioned, take some of their, I don't want to call it, like you said, retro, like developer um styles that they use but i mean i think it's good that they're kind of going into the legacy of what bethesda game studios is and saying don't forget like maybe fallout wasn't your thing or you know maybe some of the other stuff we've worked on like eso hasn't been your thing don't forget that we still are kind of the big dog in rpg mm-hmm. makers out there and the oh that was a city called neon that's going to be the very big drug city it's built on a oh. uh, fishing platform i've done all the research <laughs> into all those little vods that they've been putting out and yeah going back to oblivion um there is the an, a version of the oblivion persuasion system is in this game we haven't seen it at all yet but they're yeah like you said this is kind of bethesda's greatest hits the mm. game they're taking all the good things and they're take they're learning from their previous games and putting it all into this but it's also there's a lot of expectations in this game and this game is huge like you said over mm-hmm. a thousand planets to oh, land on many. and discover. Like I said on stream, it's too many. Todd. It's too galaxy. many. No Emily, I can't tell. Are you that. excited about that? Or are you like, no, oh, goddess? I'm not. Okay, okay. I want to. <laughs> I, it's just like, it's, it's, I know I'm going to dive hard, like hard head first into it. And it's mm-hmm. just like, it's that kind of sense of overwhelming choice. Like I got that feeling with, um, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla yes. like as soon as like knowing that map and seeing London all the way at the bottom and that being such a huge city I got so overwhelmed and by it and that's like small compared to this yes <laughs> yeah. I mean I think it's really creatively cool and I applaud everyone at Bethesda for really really pushing themselves I mean even the idea of uh, hiring NPCs to come work at your bases or recruiting them. That's also something you can do with Fallout 76. I've played a lot of Fallout 76. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're clearly going going big or going home. And yeah, I, I love the idea of being able to land anywhere on the planet. There's that freedom around it. But also, I think it's really important. I love Todd. But to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. Yes. Because mm. of because of what we've seen from Cyberpunk. Because of what we've seen from No Man's Sky. Because of what we've seen from even Fallout 76. I do like that in this story that Brittany mentioned, this does Starfield let you fly seamlessly from space to planet or not, that they specifically call out, nah, man, it doesn't justify the engineering work. People don't really care that much. And it was like, honestly, good on you for not putting your dev team through the work to make that possible, even though I'm sure they could figure it out. They were just like, Loading screens are fine because on your new systems, they're real fast. Mm-hmm. But we're not mm-hmm. going to make it seamless because like the amount of work that would require would then pull those engineers off of other work that they could be doing to polish the world. He's like, we already got over a thousand planets. What more do you want? It's not going to be seamless. Sorry, bro. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. It's yeah. totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah. 
Emily, I'm sure you saw the interview with Todd about um, the Thousand Planets shenaniganry. <laughs> but I, what I thought was interesting about it is he pretty much mentioned, like, yeah, procedurally generated because, of course. But he even said, like, yeah, like they're not all going to be that exciting because, ooh, giant ice space balls. Ooh, that's, you know, you can't really make that too exciting. But what he said, what I thought was interesting is you can land on those. Let's say, you know, you like the view of, of that current space giant ice ball in space and you like the planets it overlooks and you like the location of it cool live your best life build your base there have a good time like we're not going to stop you from doing that but it's not don't have the expectation that it's going to be integral to the game itself and i thought that was a really good take on it i think that's kind of what we all expected anyway i just right. for me and all of us right like we like with no like man's sky planets. like there's a right, lot like, of like emptiness in that mm -hmm. world yeah Space. Yeah, so space I thought that was good. Empty. I think mm -hmm. as long as they, as long as there's a system in the game that kind of pinpoints planets that have things going on on them, yeah, rather than like, because I mean, oh, I just do have... you mean, do you mean something like a quest log? Oh, there's her Elden Ring dig of the day, Inside. ladies and gentlemen. There all it right, is. All right, um, all right, Souls Bros, come for me again. Every time I say, <laughs> also, but it's fine. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think of like, I love the series, the original Mass Effect. Some of those planets, you're just driving around the Mako and it's like, wait, are we going to just talk about Mass Effect now? I would love to. Mm. But there's like a big worm <laughs> over here and um, <laughs> a, a base over here. And I got to drive in between it and my Mako that's going a decent speed, but I'm just trying to jet propult my way faster. And so I think <laughs> that's a big thing for me too. Yeah. Also too, we've seen horses in Skyrim. Are there going to be like little rovers you can have that will let oh you like near, 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 drive your way across the planet? <laughs> <laughs> ah, maybe. But I, th I, I hope, I hope there's really good romance systems. We've seen uh, Bethesda's actually done a really good job of slowly getting better and better at romance options, and especially like Fallout Four. It was like, oh, we'll let you, sl you, you sleep with them, and you get a little perky perk. And I'm like, okay, give me like a, a really fleshed out romance. And also, speaking of fleshed out kind of character moments, that character creation scene is really, really awesome. They're doing a speaking of Mass Effect, they're doing a really great thing where you can choose your character's background. You can choose if they're a bounty hunter, if they're a chef. A real Ooh. occupation you can pick in the game. Uh, even like a gangster, it says on there. And I was like, interesting. Okay. And then you have three selected. A space gangster. Space gangster. <laughs> space gangster. I like it. No. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, maybe. A spacer. A spacer. But yeah, you'll you'll be able to choose like they come each background comes with three specific traits and what's awesome kind of goes back to Mass Effect characters will know your background and will reference it to you, which is kind of like what I loved about Mass Effect with Commander Shepard really feeling that personalization of like, oh, this is me. This is my shepherd. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, like diplomat. And then here's that NPC being like, oh, I've, I've, I've heard you have a diplomatic background. Uh, <laughs> tell me about that. And then these fun traits where what's you can kid stuff. What does oh, that mean? I, I need to know. I don't know. It, prob but it probably just means that they're a parent or they have children and they're, they're, they're a guardian. Or and they're then... incredibly immature and love toys. <laughs> I love that they children just called toys. it kid stuff. Kid stuff. Like, it's that kid shit. Because like in the introvert perk was basically like, hey, you're an introvert. You will have a bonus to endurance if you have no companion. And then mm. you, there was the extrovert trait. Uh, there were there was the extrovert trait, which we don't see them click on. But I'm assuming it's the opposite. You gain an endurance bonus if you have a companion. So of course the game rewarding you. You're depending on your playstyle. You knowing going in, great. I love the companions of the Bethesda games. I'm gonna have them coming around with me all the whole time. Or hey, I prefer a much more solo adventure. The game kind of lets you uh, reward yourself at the very beginning 
if you choose. Those are, I think traits are optional, but background is a must. That's awesome. Like okay, kid stuff. if they had a stuff. tiny house one, you'd have better storage capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> the trait of kid stuff. Your parents are alive and well, and you can visit them at your home, but 10% of all the money you earn is deducted automatically and sent to them. It's literally oh! a tithe to your parents. Well, okay, that's fair. <laughs> no, man. That's cute. They had their time. <laughs> Are they procedurally generated Just based kidding, off of my traits? That would be really cool. I hope that so. That would be cool. I got to say, mm. I'm more excited for this after seeing this this um, gameplay, I guess, like showcase. And once again, I was sitting in the theater at FanFest in LA watching this with, you know, mm-hmm. Xbox's most dedicated fans. And mm. I did not realize this was 15 minutes long. It's very long. It went by yeah. like that. Like it was so engaging and I was just so interested in all of the different things you can do. Like if you love romance dialogue options, you can have a game, like a really great gameplay session. If you like exploring barren icy planets, you'd have the best time ever. <laughs> if you like base building, <laughs> like, if you really love FTL, like, like there's a game inside this game for everyone, which definitely got me more intrigued because I was originally going to pass. I'm not a huge space adventure genre fan but now mm-hmm. with the power of game pass i'm definitely <laughs> gonna check this one out and while i definitely prefer all of these types of experiences alongside friends because then i can show off how cool my ship is rather than like taking a screenshot Ugh. of it and posting it to twitter and getting like four people who look at it i really do think that there's something here for everybody including myself so i'm i'm really grateful that they showed us so much and i know this took a lot of effort to do Absolutely. Mm. I think, you know, like I said, when Britt and I were doing our live reacts to the showcase, I believe in the legacy of Bethesda Game Studios as a set of developers who've crafted these amazing RPG worlds over many decades and how I've gotten really immersed in these worlds. And I know that I'm going to lose hundreds of hours to this game. I just don't know like where they're going to go with the story. I think that's like the kind of missing piece for me is like, what is this narrative? Who are you? What are you doing? Because that's like the one thing from the Fallout franchise that I never got into. Really? Yeah. The narrative of everything about everything happening in the Fallout universe, no matter which game I played. And I think to be clear, there's some really brilliant side quests and side characters and the stories and some of the writing is really excellent. But I think the meta narrative of what's happening in that game, I'm just like, eh, post-apocalypse. Not to say that like the overall narrative of Elder Scrolls is incredibly compelling either. I think really I, where Bethesda Game Studios shines isn't in their big storyline. It's always in these tiny little mm-hmm. stories that you run into these people in these individual towns and you have these quest lines that take you down these paths that you never anticipated. You just get lost in the world. And that's why I think people are so excited about Starfield because it's a new experience from this veteran studio doing something outside their comfort zone narrative wise. And I think, like you said, well, at least I hope, like you said, (laughs) that it's BGS's greatest hits. I hope so too. And I think you bring up a good point because yeah, Elder Scrolls, it's like, I'm in jail. (laughs) Who am I? And then (laughs) um, Fallout, it's always like, you're looking for dad. You're looking for son. You're looking for, for uh, Matthew Perry who killed you. Uh, and then um, I think, yeah, this one, it's like, because you brought up such a good point earlier with, I think so many people are comparing this game to No Man's Sky when the other sister comparison is The Outer Worlds. That is a fantastic space RPG. Please play it if you have not already. Oh, so good. It's mm-hmm. kooky. It's colorful. It's wacky. It's compelling. And Starfield, I love Bethesda, looks very boring. 
It looks very serious. It looks like mm. their most serious game. Very serious. So I'm really interested to see like what those narrative elements are. I think that, yeah, that's the big question now. It's yeah. like, how is it going to hook us? Yeah. What is this story? Is it compelling enough to keep people playing and to keep people discovering all 1,000 of those ding-dong plants? Oh, God. I'm so, so glad many you brought balls. that up because we arrived at that moment <laughs> in the B-roll that I've been showing <laughs> where Todd yes. was like, you can <laughs> land on this planet and then this planet is part of a system and you can land on all the planets in the system and then we have all these systems. And I think you touched on Outer Worlds being this great game. And I think one of the things the Outer Worlds did so well is they limited their scope. And now we know, having talked to the development team at Obsidian, that a lot of that had to do with budget. And they didn't know what was going to happen with their studio, you know, before they teamed up with Xbox Game Studios. And that we can anticipate the Outer Worlds 2 being much bigger. But I'm like, actually, though... Yeah. Outer Worlds was like a really nice scope. It felt big. It felt robust. Like I had a lot of places to go, but I didn't have a thousand freaking planets <laughs> that I had to go check out. And I think, you know, Todd clarifying to IGN that not all of them are going to be razzle dazzle just makes me go back and go, where's Steimer with the big edit button? Mm. Just edit. Like, it, why don't you just not have that many? Like I said on our stream, a hundred planets would have been more than enough planets for people to explore, even if you made only 30 of them be really impactful and have really well-developed level designs. I just, I don't understand this need from development studios to appease a gamer that is asking for some RNG you know, explosion of exploration. Like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's a small segment of the audience who actually wants that absurd amount of content. Yeah. You know, it's that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like yes. I personally would be thrilled with five planets oh. that have been, par- <laughs> five. Like, that have been five. five great planets, Just five <laughs> handcrafted. You know what I mean? Just like biomes, you know? Just, yes. Yeah. Like honestly, like cool. I would have been thrilled with that. But then if that was the case, how many people would have called Bethesda lazy or oh, it's Microsoft's fault? I mean, I don't know. Like you can just hear it now. Yeah. But then you have the thousand planets and we're like, oh shit. Like what the fuck? And it's just like this weird thing of, I don't know, damn you, doing damn Joe. But yeah, like to echo everything y'all been saying, I've never finished Bethesda game, and I don't know why. I just haven't. Fallout, I think it's because like post-apocalyptic is never really my jam. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, Emily, interesting point, boring. And it's not that I find these games necessarily boring, but I what I loved about the Outer Worlds is like you were saying the kookiness, like the silliness, the humor of it. That's what kept me coming back. Like I never knew when I was gonna laugh again at like a silly, witty one-liner from an NPC. And I always found that very engaging and interesting. And like Andrea was saying, the length of it was perfect. That's what she said. But then when I look at Starfield stuff, like it's space and like re space doesn't really lift up my skirt. It doesn't do much for me. But I feel like when Bethesda makes a game, you pay attention. Obviously, like that's that's and it's also my job to do that. And so I'm just gonna, you know, put my trust in Bethesda that I can craft that narrative and can craft engaging characters. And it, hopefully, I don't have to do space combat a lot. I can't say that base building or space station building looks incredibly fun either. Now, again, if this was like a castle I was building, I'd be all about that shit but space just isn't like my jam and so like yeah i'm i'm i can't say i'm 100 percent sold on starfield yet i'm excited to see more and i'm very excited to play it because it is a bethesda game but right now like it's just not high on my priority list and i think it's not until we maybe get some of that narrative that it'll uh it'll flip flip my skirt up 
and now <laughs> obviously y'all know more about Bethesda than I do. Historically, do we get a nice look into the narrative before the game comes out? No. No. Usually okay. it's usually it's this gameplay e trailer with kind of setting up the world before the release date. So I well, mean And it takes probably thirty or forty hours for the first reviewer to like race <laughs> through the narrative. Oh gosh. To yeah. figure it out. But I think again, like like I called out, Bethesda isn't known for their big like punchy dialogue heavy mm-hmm. stories for their main arc i know many people like you Brittany, never finished the skyrim main campaign have hundreds and hundreds of hours into skyrim maybe even yeah. thousands at this point never finished the main campaign because it's literally just not that important it's boring and i <laughs> have a feeling that starfield's probably going to be the same way but that the smaller immersive world building that you go through is what draws you in, what keeps you coming mm. back. I hope so. I mean, I, I've played a bit of Fallout 76 as well. And honestly, what really intrigues me about the Fallout series in particular is like, maybe it's not joyful, but it's interesting. And I'm still waiting to see what's interesting about all of these smaller stories and smaller experiences in Starfield. Like, I love customization elements in games because I just have that creative energy within me. However, like, what joy or what intrigue or what wonder am I going to feel? Like, Ice Planet number 42, <laughs> how cool is it? Like, like if it's cool, fuck, dope, I'm down. Like, like let's go. But if it's the same as the last one... I, I got to know, like, what's important there, like, what's intriguing mm-hmm. there, what's really going to hook me, like, why am I going to load this in after hour 50? Yeah, I really mm-hmm. hope, because, I really hope, because, like, as you be solved from the HUD, lots of scanning. Also, oh, God bless the HUD! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yes! Uh, lots of scanning, <laughs> lots of, of material mining, so that's going to be important to, like, customize, customizing and building weapons, as we saw in, kind of, the crafting rig in that, in that B-roll, and, of course, in base building. But yeah, just like, I really hope it's not like, hey, can you go find me 10 different, it's, it's the 30, it's the 30 Crimson <laughs> Minroot, like, like, quest all over again. Like, you can you know that's what it's going to be, though. Can you go find me this, please? I need this for my space thing. It's going to be uh, fetch quest after fetch quest <laughs> after fetch quest. But I do want to bring out one interesting thing that we don't know too much about. It's the oxygen. So in that HUD on the lower left, you have your oxygen and CO2 levels. Mm. So oh, no. I don't want to die in space. Well, Are my, you kidding? my guess is that it will operate similar to the radiation and rad system in Fallout. No, I hate that. Also, no. Also, no. I hate Let me just live my, my lads. There's there too many things. Depending on different, you. depending on this, me nerding out. Depending on what different planets you go to and what their oxygen quality is, of it's going to affect. Like you probably have to carry filters on you. Probably have to clean it out. But you, it is attached uh, to. And you, you know who loves encumbrance? Fucking Bethesda. Ugh, no, I hate encumbrance systems. <laughs> you know what? For people who enjoy that, I'm so happy for you all. I'm not. It's bad. You're a bad person. That's right. <laughs> I said it. You're a bad person. Liking encumbrance <laughs> systems is bad, and you should feel bad. <laughs> You it's never feel fun. bad. Feel no, bad about who listen, you are. That's it. That's what Andrew. It's never every day. fun. Well, maybe they'll crack the code on making it fun. Uh, they they <laughs> already okay. said that your ship is going to have an encumbrance no. system too. So what? Damn it. Todd, no. I'll no wait in space. Why? This isn't Alaska Airlines. You don't need me weighing my baggage. What the fuck? Thank you. What? You're going to charge me if oh I God. have like two carry-ons? What Get if out I of put here. it in my backpack instead of my roll-on? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Two, one carry-on, one personal item, baby girl. Make it work. 
But no, like, here's the thing. Like, this game takes so far place in the future. Like, why can't we just have permanent oxygen? I don't fucking get it. I'm pissed. I'm holding my whiskey. Yes, hold yeah. your whiskey. Just put a succulent in my helmet. I, like, I feel like, Emily, you should have just not told us this. And we I'm so like, sorry. I'm literally raging. And then she's like, let me actually just remind you about Bethesda Game Studios uh, and how much they love that Ray. you hate this. But there's jetpacks. No, but like, if you're encumbered, you won't be able to jetpack. That's true. It's probably not going to let you do that, especially on the high gravity planets. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, uh, gravity is a yep. thing. Oh, gravity is a thing. You, no. can, you can scan the gravity, so that's why you get to go like pew 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 because your gravity, I think, is at point seven in that in that the moon of Crete. Uh, and Girl, then there's going to a breakdown. I, you know what? Put so it, where can people I find love this, this breakdown? Actually, uh, it will be coming your brain. soon. Oh, close. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, there will be an X-Play uh, Bethesda gameplay trailer breakdown with this oh. and a little bit more. <laughs> I've said a lot. Uh, coming to the X-Play YouTube channel soon. And what's the channel? YouTube.com slash X-Play. Boom. X- no there hyphen. Is. X-P-L-A-Y. Mm, there you go. Make sure uh, if you guys aren't already following X-Play, um, give Emily some love and go on over there and hit that follow or yeah. subscribe button. Um I love that you nerded out about this and found out all the details because yes, these things are important. And obviously we were have going to have to wait until 2023 to find out more about Starfield. Um, but I do want to move on because we have still a lot more to cover. So we, before we get to the play days for summer game fest, um, we have a couple in case you missed it, but first kind of recap or end cap, I should say, our conversation about like the not E3 that we've been experiencing for the couple of last couple of weeks. Gabe Hewitt wrote in and said, is it too soon to say 2023 will be the best year of game releases ever? Yes. Of course it's too soon. Everything's going to keep getting delayed. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> like until we die. That's And then after that. That's fair. But hypothetically, we have Starfield. Mm. We have... Breath of the Wild 2. Breath of the Wild 2. We have, we have the other big um, RPG. What's that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Red what game just got Redfall? Yeah. Cocoon? No. No, no. Bigger. Uh, bigger. Ooh, game um, of the year. Game of the year. Bigger. Mm. I know what you mean. It's on the tip of my tongue. Why am I, like, blanking out? Uh, I don't know. We, we don't, What's a video game? This is where we all get exposed. We're all fake gamer girls. We do this for the money. We don't know anything about this. Is video all just games. Deck. Like we haven't actually. Played we have Resident over. Evil, um, Resident Evil Four Remake, which is yes. like a really mm-hmm. big one. We okay, that. throw that out there. That's we have big. Baldur's Gate Three, which is one I'm very, very excited about. Diablo Four. Uh, Diablo. Diablo Four. Duh. Okay, that's, that's the big one. one. Final, Final Fantasy Sixteen. Mm-hmm. That yes, that's definitely getting delayed. Mm. You don't know, think it's 2023 hit? No. Uh, Spider Man Two. We don't know yet. Possibly. So God of War is still in limbo. He's- I honestly think that they're gonna hit holiday 2022 really? because it was supposed to hit 2021. Yeah, that was their this original release good window. I was told that that was oh. a date given by PlayStation Sony Sony headquarters, not even confirmed by Sony Santa Monica. When well, Sony Santa Monica watched that showcase, they said, "Wow, apparently our game's coming out this year." Well, <laughs> well no. That no no, <laughs> not to be like your source is wrong. No, yeah, please. But like, having been in this business for as long as I have, first party would not put out a date for a first party game without talking to the head of the first party studio. So it's very possible that the person that you talk to at Sony Santa Monica wasn't told by their boss that that was the date. But obviously, the person running that team. 
Probably new. <laughs> totally. Maybe but a little lofty, if we will. It overly ambitious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because now it's 2022 and that game's still not out. But I think holiday, like the rumors are now November, right? The last mm-hmm. like leak that we saw was that November was the one where Ragnarok was going to be. And I think the reason why I feel comfortable about that is that last show that we saw from Ragnarok was a nice slice of a bunch of different types of gameplay yeah. from that game. And I'm like, this feels like this game is... Close to, close to done. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're not talking about God of War. We're talking about 2023 being the guest, best year of gaming ever. And y'all say no. Everyone says no? It's too oh. early. To, it's too early to call it. It is too, it's early. too early. Ask us at the end of 2023. Right. Gabe but, was oh, it, at Gabe's the end of 2023. For discussion on mm-hmm. a future show, oh. just pin it in the back of your minds, everybody listening and watching. What is the best year of gaming ever? Up until now. Well, I mean, there's lots mm. of deep diving we could go into. What makes a year the best? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 2018. Well, I think <laughs> I think the idea would be looking at critical reviews and mm-hmm. fan reviews, also mm-hmm. sales. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be kind of touch on those three pillars of, okay. you know, Some what data. what year has like the highest amount of critical praise, fan praise, and of course raw sales, and like what. What year is that? What games are they? Yeah, let's break um, that down someday. Just, just yeah. for funsies, Den of Geek has 2004 listed as their number one best year of gaming for Halo 2, Half-Life 2, Metroid Prime 2, Metal Gear Solid 5, World of Warcraft, Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, Shit. Counter-Strike, Killzone, Ratchet & Clank, Up Your Arsenal, EverQuest 2, Diminish wow. Cap. Um, Jack 3, Need for Speed Underground 2, yes. Vampire the Masquerade, Spider-Man 2. Yep. Yeah. I so. mean, that's a... That's, That's a, a pretty good list. Bangers. I was going to say 2011. Mm. Mm. The year that came to mind for me was 1998. We got Ocarina of Time and Resident Evil 2. But that's so it was your best your year. personal <laughs> best year of games. My okay. personal best. This sounds like a really fun combo. Yeah, Let's put it in mm-hmm. and yeah. come back to it. Thank you, Gabe, for your question. So to quickly wrap up our new segment so we can move on to some hands-on, because we played some games, y'all. Um, in case you missed it, Brittany, yes. stealth Dragon Age news just happened. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> And we couldn't Close. talk about it. This was important. And other Bioware fangirl Emily is here, which is great. <laughs> Yay! Um, Rhea, I think I don't know where you stand in your Bioware fandom. Um, I'm a fan of Bioware, but... Uh, okay, so that, that explains <laughs> it, everybody. Say no more. My number one Bioware <laughs> game is Jade Empire, so I'm clearly out of all conversations after that. You're not out of all conversations. You're just not in the current Dragon Age one. That's all. But you can Continue. be. You are at the table whenever you would like to be. I enjoy your joy. Thank you. So there's two big things, right? First big thing, Bioware came out and confirmed that the next Dragon Age game is going to be all about ya boy fucking, Egg. Uh, <laughs> fucking uh. Dreadwolf. Fucking Solus. <laughs> Emily, I don't know how you feel about Mr. Egg. No, I I've dated him, and it's 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 basically <laughs> like, do you hate yourself? Date this man. <laughs> do you enjoy heartbreak? Have a full, like, 60-hour game where you get dumped at the end. Hooray! <laughs> Escapism. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. Like, the fact that they're calling Dragon Age Dreadwolf, it's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Of course, that's what they're calling it. We're, we're fucking hunting that son of a bitch down. He's a very, very bad man who did very, very bad things. And he's a very selfish asshole. So and he'll be just, the like, big bad of the next game. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Secret I, bigger I, bad? Yeah, they're, they're, well, I don't know about a secret big or bad. We're just going to have to see. There's too much speculation. Dragon Age lore, it's more like fucking loaded than our own actual history in this country. There is so 
much <laughs> shit fair. going on. And yeah, there's just so much. So like I could see them going in a million different directions for Dreadwolf. And I, I am just so fucking excited for this game. Anyway, fuck Solus is the moral of this story. That's all. It's it's definitely an interesting name change because you go from like Inquisition, which is like a an event to Dreadwolf, which is <laughs> right. this dude. This guy. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, we know that it's in the Taventer Imperium, a right. big location. And like you said, in, like Dragon Age lore is insane. A big part of the Dragon Age lore we've never experienced. We've only met people from there that has a huge amount of history, a huge amount of culture, a huge amount of lore. And we can imagine what Solus is doing here. He's trying to basically like bring back the era of the elves. It's, it's elven Which might time. just kill off every other race. Yeah. It's fine. And Thetis. But it's cool. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You just go on with your bad self. <laughs> it's fine. But speaking of, speaking of Tevinter, though, um, I think that's what's so interesting about this anime because that's where the anime is going to be taking place. Yeah. Okay. So the Netflix. I was going to show the teaser and then I realized, no, we'll get content ID instantly from yeah. Netflix. Um, so Dragon Age Absolution is an animated series coming to Netflix this December, created in collaboration with Bioware, of course, and it's set into Vintra, as Brittany mentioned, and it's going to include elves, mages, knights, Kunari, Red Templars, demons, and other special surprises to Varric. be announced. Varric! Put Varric in yes. the Ding Dong I anime! I feel like Varric has to be in it. <laughs> Oh, give me some Varric love. I would say Alistair, but he, I feel like he's a has-been at this point, oh. you know? I mean, if, if they're bringing all the kings around, I, I think it's tricky because it, it depends on, I mean, right, I think he's right, like the exactly. default canon. Uh, I remember in Inquisition, right. he's like the king of, he's the king of Ferelden default. Yeah. So maybe if they bring in the kings or something, or he sends you, he peers, I think he could possibly peer in a cameo. He might. Maybe, you know, he'll be worm fodder. Maybe his grave, who could say. Depends what you did with the guy. Makes me sad. <laughs> I wasn't anticipating this, but Netflix is really, like, going hard in the gaming series right now with all kinds of both live action and animated. If it is even half as good as Arcane was. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm in. But the difference is, we, I don't know how Bioware is as a series producer to Riot, because clearly Riot crushed Arcane, one of the best animated series I've ever seen. If you still haven't watched it, it is phenomenal. Run, don't walk. And new episodes are coming soon. Um, And I don't know what Bioware's team is like when they produce something like this, because it's a very different medium for them. They Hmm. did have one animated something back in the day, and I think it starred Cassandra. Oh god, it's blur. But I feel like it wasn't that good. That's like the only like reference point I have. I think I was very toasty when I watched it. Um, but no, I mean, Andrew, I think you you bring up a good point. I think for me, like all we've really heard about Deventer is through codex entries or like pieces of paper you'll find. I think the thing I'm hoping to get the most out of this anime is just like what is the culture of Deventer? You know, all we know is like it's supposedly like this big black dark evil place uh and just from what we get from dorian <laughs> from talking to him right uh so yeah like i think that's why i'm most excited i'm not really i mean i'm not really expecting a lot because i've been burned so many times in the past but i'm gonna go with an open mind and a smile on my face and hope that i walk away with a bigger smile on my face and then i'll consider that a win i guess you know why not but yes. no go go dragon age i'm excited i'm getting really stoked for dragon age Dreadwolf. I just started another playthrough a while ago yeah. and I had to put it on pause. The Inquisition playthrough you talked Inquis- about, right? Yeah, I'm still in the fucking hinterlands mm. 40 hours later. Mm. It's okay. Can't Can ever get out of the hinterlands. And then you do and you're like, oh, I still have 100 hours to go. Oh, man. Who are you romancing this time? 
Oh, who was I romancing? I think Colin again. Like that's just like my trident default. Yep, he's he's good boy. Oh, he's yeah. all about that fur cape. Simon knows what's up. Um, And the last thing we want to mention before we take a quick break is the Assassin's Creed franchise celebrated their fifteenth anniversary. And they announced a bunch of stuff. And it's sad to me as like a diehard Assassin's Creed fan. You guys can see all my <laughs> Assassin's boys and girls up here in the studio. Um, that I just completely missed all of this news and the tidal wave of news that happened over the last week. So um, this write-up came from Game Informer. And it says that uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to get another year of content <laughs> aptly named Year 2. Very Whoa. original. Mm. So cool. <laughs> um, and it will include returning festivals, Mastery Challenge Pack 2, an armory update, and new tombs to explore. And sometime this summer, the Forgotten Saga is going to come to Valhalla. And this is a new roguelite inspired game mode. So very different for Assassin's Creed. Hmm. And it's set in Niflheim, because obviously this is all set in um, you know Norse mythology. In it, the daughter of Loki, Hel, is pushing Odin through an endless realm of death. And like any roguelite, of course, Odin will die a lot. <laughs> over and over again. Um, an official release date was not revealed, uh, but it is going to be free to all players when it does come. If you own the game, of course. Uh, Ubisoft will release the final episode of Eivor's story as a free chapter to all players near the end of this year. And then the Viking Age version of the Discovery Tour, which, of course, is their educational mode of the game, which I love that they do, can now be downloaded as a standalone title, which is excellent for teachers and educators out there uh, on PlayStation and Xbox consoles, Stadia and Luna platforms, and, of course, PC. Ubisoft released a 60 FPS patch for Assassin's Creed Origins, which is, you know, if you guys haven't played Origins, yeah, is cool. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you... Like the, the 60 frames per second is super necessary, but cool. You're making the if game you better. you haven't played it, it's, it's free this weekend to play. Oh, oh, I forgot that they're doing that. Nice. Um, yep. So it's through June 20th, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it says. Yep. Um, so depending on when you're listening to the podcast, you may or may not have missed the window. And that Ubisoft is going to reveal the future of Assassin's Creed this September mm-hmm. in a very special event. So we Ooh. haven't yet heard about a Ubisoft forward for this summer. Which is really telling. And so I think maybe September is going to be it. Because we haven't seen Ubisoft do like a standalone Assassin's Creed event. Like why would they? And I think it's important to call out in advance of our Summer Game Fest conversation that we're going to have. That it's probably because they don't have anything ready to show. Because they were noticeably absent from everything that happened over the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. Didn't see them at State of Play. Didn't see them on Xbox's stage. Didn't see them doing anything on their own. They really just decided, we're going to set this one out, everybody. Maybe we'll get a forward closer to Gamescom, since they are obviously oh. a very European-centric developer. But they have teams all over the world. So I think it really just comes down to them saying, we're not ready to show anything yet. You know what? I respect it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would love to know what happened to Beyond Good and Evil 2. <laughs> you and me both, Emily. But you also, I think a game that apparently is slated to come out this year, amazingly, is Skull and Bones. That's no like way. the big LOL moment of it all, honestly. 2020, I know. 2022, year of Skull and Bones. Was, we haven't even seen that game. Like, how could it possibly... Oh, I, I think so You have to start your marketing all over again, Ubisoft. You gotta push it. <sighs> 
But we will lament about Ubisoft at a later time and look forward to September. And on that note, we're gonna take another quick break. And when we come back, we got the opportunity to play, play some games at Summer Game Fest. Stick with us, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is when we talk about all the games we've been playing. But first, I wanna let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. So our next partner has a product that your body would like you to start using every day. So what is this stuff? It's called Athletic Greens. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Basically, all of the things you want taken care of to live your best life. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It was costing him $100 a day, so he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. Concerned about dietary restrictions? Well, good news. Athletic Greens is keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. With over 7,000 five-star reviews, they must be doing something right. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash what's good. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash what's good to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Zavi. So as I mentioned, once again, this episode, we are partnering up with our friends over at Zavi, of course, the home of all things pop culture. Zavi is the go-to place for merch, clothing, and collectibles inspired by your favorite franchises. But did you know that they also have a monthly magazine and it's out and free for you to read right now? In this month's edition of The Lowdown, they have a ton of interviews about the month's biggest releases in movies, TV, and games. On the cover right now is Ms. Marvel. Plus, there's an exclusive interview with Iman Vellani, the actress who plays the MCU's newest hero. There are also exclusive interviews with Jurassic World Dominion director Colin Trevorrow and the cast of The Boys, including Carl Urban and Jensen Ackles. And they reveal all of the secrets of Season 3. No, they probably don't, but you should still be caught up before you read the interview, just in case, you know, spoilers and all. So what are you waiting for? Read the latest edition of The Lowdown using our link in the description below so that they know what's good game sent you. And don't forget, you can take your love of video games and nerd culture to the next level with gear from Zavi, like this amazing Game of Thrones goblet that I showed you guys in my unboxing video, which if you guys have missed our Zavi unboxings, they're pretty fun. And... The biggest takeaway that I had from this was, okay, two biggest takeaways. One, it's really fucking awesome and epic, and I feel like I should pour some wine in and just drink some wine out of it and really go full Cersei on this. But it said it's ornamental use only, and I'm just going to be like, uh-oh. Mm. <laughs> Still amazing. 
as an object, both ornamental and it has a stainless steel cup. So you can put wine in it. Just saying, you can check it out. Um, if you guys want your own Game of Thrones goblet or any of the other amazing products that they have over at Zavi.com, be sure to use code WGG to get 20% off of clothing or 10% off other items on the site at Zavi.com. That's Z-A-V-V-I.com and use code WGG to get 20% off clothing or 10% off anything else you want on the site Except not anything else. Some exclusions do apply. Check out all the details at Zavi.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast for this week. And I know we're doing things a little unorthodox, but there's just been so much news. So consider this our official not E3 hands-on portion of the episode. So, Brittany, we are going to talk about a game that you have been playing, but we're going to do it after we talk about Summer Game Fest Play What's up with days. you? You you are just teasing me along earlier. Like, okay, Britt, we're going to talk about Would Resident you like to Evil talk about at it the first? very end? We can talk yeah, about I it first. Get it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get out of the way so I can just stare all you with star eyes okay. when you talk about you. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. What have you been playing, Brittany? I have been playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, (sighs) and it's really fun. Okay, so (laughs) let me get my notes up because I've admittedly had quite a lot of this bottle of whiskey that's at my side here. It's my bestie. It's fine. It's it's been a week. Okay, anyway, yeah, Shredder's Revenge. So this game is out June 16th, 2022, which is yesterday. If if you're listening to this, that comes out on Friday. It's out for Switch, PS4, PS5, and all the Xbox boxes and PC, developed by (laughs) Tribute Games and published by Dotemu. So thank you, Tinsley PR, for the review code. Love you so much. Uh, Tinsley PR. One of the Shout greats. out to Thomas. Who Yay. Handled all that you doing shit the Lord's like work, Thomas. Yes. So if you don't know, this is a side-scroller beat-em-up. And stylistically, think of the arcades back in the day when we'd all go there. If you're old enough to remember arcades, go through your little quarters, find the little turtles cabinet there. That's exactly what this game looks like. And that's obviously on purpose. It's supposed to be a fun little nod and throwback. Anyway, it supports six-player co-op online and local. And if you are a fan of these sorts of games, you are in for a treat, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, because it is so much fun. Obviously, if you haven't if you haven't seen the ratings, it's getting incredibly good reviews, like nines, tens. It's doing really well. And I'm really happy because it's such a fun little chill game. So anyway, you play as Leo, Donatello, Michelangelo, or Raphael, Splinter, April, and you unlock a character at the very end after you complete the story mode once. I think it's public who it is. I think so. I think we're watching him right now. I think we see it. Oh, there we go. Casey Jones. Hey. There you go. Yep. OP, and I love him so much. So each turtle has their own stats, like range, speed, power, and their signature weapons. And you fight enemies like the Foot Clan, Krang, Bebop, Rocksteady, and more. So if you're a fan of, like, this, you know, if you're a fan of TMT, you're going to love this game. It's just, again, like all the fun little throwbacks and nods. Um, and I mean, as you'd expect in a game like this, you have all of your combos, you know, and I think I need to mention, like, when it comes to me and these side-scroller beat-em-ups, I've never been good at any game that requires com- combos. I'm just not. Like, Bayonetta, whenever I play that game, baby-ass baby mode all day, every day. I just like mm-hmm. to mash buttons and have a good time. And thankfully, I was playing with Jason, local co-op, and we had it on the okay difficulty mode, which is the the normal. So it's... Chill, okay, and gnarly are your three mm. difficulty Aww. options. I know it's so fun, and we never, like, ha- we never hit the continue screen. And I think that's saying a lot because I'm really bad at these, and he's like decent. 
So don't worry about this game being too difficult because if even if it is, you can bump them down to um, chill mode. Anyway, so yeah, like if you want to like get good, there's lots of different combinations you can use. My favorite was like X, 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 X. And if you say X too many times, it sounds like sex. Fun fact. And then you have your up attack, your down attack. You can grapple enemies, etc. And then what you have also when you're smacking bitches in the face, you have your ninja gauge bar. I think that's the official term of it. And if you hit enough enemies uninterrupted, that bar will fill. And then once it fills, it locks in. So, like, let's say I smack enough bitches. I got one one refill. I smack enough without taking damage. I have two. But I can never lose them once I've got them. And essentially, it's just, like, your special mode. So, Raphael, for example, does, like, a really cool spinny attack. April swings around a big old, like, camera from the 90s. Um, <laughs> Casey Jones has this big destructive bubble around him. Uh, so, you have different, you know, uh, abilities you can use. And... What I really like about this game is that there's a little progression system. And typically in these sorts of games, I feel like you don't really get progression. So it's always been hard for me to really keep for me to keep my interest. Uh, so how it works is every enemy you defeat, you get a point. And once you rack up a certain amount of points, you'll unlock a skill. So it could be an extra hit point. It could be an extra ninja gauge bar. It could be a new ability. And each character has to be leveled separately. Um, so, I mean... The good news with that is I think that introduces a lot of replayability, but the bad news is like, I guess, you know, if you want to like, if you've been playing most of the game as Raphael and suddenly in the last level, you're like, actually Donatello would be better for this boss. He's going to start essentially at level zero, but each playthrough of the game only takes about two to two and a half hours. So it's not like there's, you know, it's not like a huge time sink. Uh, I played as Raphael the entire time because he's my boy. He's my favorite turtle. I don't know what your favorite turtles are, but he's mine. Um, I am more of a Michelangelo girl. Mm. Mm. I like Donatello. Yeah. I like a smart guy. Same big Donatello <laughs> fan and Michelangelo. Variety. Yeah, I like the like I like the Mikey sass. It's yeah. a lot of sass. Yeah. Yeah, and Mikey's fun too because even the way he walks is kind of funny. You know, he's the goofball, right? And so that and that's something that they do so well. This game is each turtle just plays so. I mean, not super differently, but differently enough that their personalities really do come through from their taunts to their special ability to the combat. Like, it's just very, very well done. Um, so I've been talking about story mode because story mode has the progression system. And not only does it have the little progression system, it has a little overworld map. Think of like Super Mario Bros. 3 style. And you can just move up, left, up, down, up, down, left, right. You know, from level to level, you can replay levels if you want to do some grinding. But also, as you're playing in the stages in story mode, you'll find characters. And now I don't, I didn't know who any of these characters are. Like my team and T card isn't like that robust. But once you unlock them, then you have to try to find their collectibles. So maybe the collectibles are VHS tapes or like bugs or diaries, etc. And they're usually found by like smacking a mailbox or some shit. Um, when once you collect all of them, you go to that character on the overworld map and you get extra points. So easy leveling. And they're really easy to find. There's nothing too difficult or anything like that. Hmm. But if you're like a tried and true, like I want the arcade experience because I'm a stuffy nerd. I don't know. There is an arcade mode. And this is what you'd expect. You go from one stage to the next. There's no overworld map. There's no progression. You have no continues. You just have the lives that you get and the lives that you earn. Um, and that's it. And you die, you die, and like tough shit, Sherlock. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that that that's arcade mode. Is your quarter that's arcade up? mode? Better get some more that's, money. That's it. Except for what's nice about this is obviously it's designed to feel like an arcade cabinet game, but it, it's not as difficult or punishing, which I'm very very grateful for because 
You know, they're not trying to take your quarters. They just want to take your one-time money purchase. If that's what you're doing. Uh, but no, like, you know, all the good reviews it's getting are definitely warranted. It's just a very chill game. Um, you know, what Jason and I would do is we would just plop our asses on the couch for like 25 minutes a night because that's all we could spare these days and just play. But the good news is we were able to just like have conversations and chat. For me, again, like I said earlier, I'm very much like a mindless button masher when it comes to these. So I'm able to just push X a bunch of times and like do okay. Um, he definitely carried me. But um, yeah, it's a really fun co-op game, really fun throwback. And if you are into these sorts of games, I absolutely recommend you check it out. They did a great job. The soundtrack is just phenomenal. Uh, really fun 90s throwback. And just all, all of it is just like 90s nostalgia. So anyway, I would absolutely recommend playing it. Nice. Yay. Excellent. Yeah. The turtles look great. And now on to some new games. <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> Beautiful hey, segue. Listen, sometimes all of the segues don't have the magic flow. All right. They just are it hard. Especially this late in the episode. And this is this is one of our longer episodes that we that we've done in a while. So thank mm-hmm. you, Emily and Rihanna, for for hanging in there. Hey. Thank you for um, letting me talk so much about Starfield. <laughs> you're no, that's so what I welcome. Love it. I'm going to have to have you back on the show so we can talk about Mass Effect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that there's not going to be a legitimate news reason for a long time, probably, for us to talk about it, but it's okay. We can just talk about it. Yeah. This is a special episode. But on to actual games that are new and coming soon that we get to play at a real in-person video game event. Oh, boy, how? So not to give you all the FOMO, Brittany, but it was no, it's really... okay. Give it to me. <laughs> it was really nice to finally see people in person again so I put up a little vlog on my personal Twitter at Andrea Renee that I shot with Rihanna of us at the space at summer game fest play days and big shout out to I am 8-bit and Jeff Keeley for putting this event together because it was so great to see developers in person and to see other games media and content creators in person and kind of remind us why we are invigorated to keep making content and to keep working in media in this space is to bring you guys coverage and to talk to devs and hear their stories about the games that they're making and this was such a great setting to do that so if you want to see the space and hear some quick thoughts from us please do check out the video I posted on my Twitter um, but Rihanna let's start with you okay you played some cool stuff I played some cool stuff what would you like to talk about let me start with um, <laughs> Vice Undercover spelled uh, I know it's spelled it's spelled a little wonky spelled Vice the word Vice and then N-D-R-C-V-R. If you're trying to Google it, yeah. I know it's tough. So this is from Starbound, right? Skybound. Skybound. Yeah, so... Starbound. Got Starfield on the brain. Starfield. So published by Skybound Games, uh, developed by Ancient Machine Studios. And um, this is interesting. So if you're a fan of... This is how I'm going to do this. If you're a fan of her story or like Emily is away you like those games where you know it's simulating um a pc and you're clicking through stuff and trying to figure out like what's going on underneath all of the you know ui navigation yes you'll probably really like this it's set in an alternate Mm. version of the 80s where there were more advanced pc um technology developments so you're sorting through you know emails instant messages from people they're giving you different tasks to complete on your pc that you're sitting on um i won't get into too many details about who's messaging you or what they want you to do or if those people are all working together or against each other oh 
But there's a lot of intrigue here. There's definitely a really cool hidden story and, you know, a lot going on underneath the surface. Um, there are some, um, you know, real moment to moment gameplay elements as well. So you're not only staring at a PC screen the entire time. But what I found really interesting about this game was that they had a time limit mechanic. So, you know, a lot of us, you know, we have busy lives. Y'all have babies. You got a job. I will eventually again. And what is really, really cool is that it gives you one hour for each day to complete all of these tasks because narratively, that's the only amount of time you have access to this computer. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's pretty cool. So so the time element that's baked into the actual game mechanics and, you know, into the, you know, success state it is obviously sped up a little bit. So each hour is, I want to say, like somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes in real time. Mm -hmm. But it does give you that pressure of like, OK, I'm on the clock. I need to get something done. It almost mm -hmm. feels like you're just trying to crank out five or six emails before the end of the day. Oh, Except, God, that sounds a little too real. Re but <laughs> you're like fighting crime or committing crime or both and it's really cool like it was a very interesting take on you know this you know somewhat familiar medium that that we've now seen a few times and and I really appreciated that additional layer of storytelling um and you know a bravo to to the developer because they had a really tough time explaining this to us oh. uh because you know when you see it on your screen you know if you're watching on um you know, youtube.tv.com slash what's games, um, you, you'll see that it, it's very much something you've seen before, right? You have people calling you, people emailing you, and then you dive into this PC interface and you go through a, the typical, you know, Windows UI. However, it, it, it really does feel like you're affecting change within the world that you're, you occupy. Mm -hmm. and, and I really liked that take on it. So yeah, Vice Undercover or NDRCVR. Yeah, so I watched over Rihanna's shoulder as she was playing this game and listening to the developer, you know, kind of talk about the backstory of like why they wanted to do this. And I was like, OK, so this is a really interesting idea of like what would a big drug lord do if they had access to the Internet like we do today? Um, but that's not really where it's set. It's set like at the beginning of the Internet. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's set in 2022 where we are now. It's set like in the late 80s, like when the Internet was just becoming a thing, when all of us who were alive, which I think is everyone except for Emily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, we still didn't have access to the internet because I think I was, what, three maybe when this game was set. Um, but it very much feels like a classic point-and-click adventure game built in with puzzles and solving of mysteries. But then they add in, like you mentioned, like the combat component of like the third-person stuff, which is, you know, like it's, it's different. I have to be honest. I like, like it. I walked into the demo just completely not knowing what we would see. And I was like pleasantly surprised by how unique it was. And I mm -hmm. saw the F word in there. So clearly it's a mature oh, game. Oh, it's a mature game. It's the cartel, honey. They do not fuck around. Escobar, you know, <laughs> likes to use the F bomb. Yeah. Not for kids, though. <laughs> not for the bibbis. And AOL Messenger. Yeah. Definitely my <laughs> biggest surprise of the weekend. For sure. Yeah, it looks stunning. I didn't get to see it, yeah. but man, you say Emily is away, and I'm 100% in. I <laughs> yeah, love same. storytelling games like that. Yeah. And FMV is just not utilized enough, let me tell you. Agreed. 
Um, so that was a great pick. Emily, you were also at the event. Yes. Was there something that stood out to you from the stuff that you got to get hands on with? I didn't get to get hands on with a ton of stuff. My my host you were, did. You I was the working. working gal. I yes. was a producing mm-hmm. gal. So running around making sure the audio was coming through, the video feed looks good, what B-roll do we capture? But I did get to play a few games. I know you're going to talk about this too, so please feel free to jump in and talk about this game with me. Let's do let's do a combo. Mm-hmm. Um, Escape Academy. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. We what, got to play too. It's what very a fun. joyful, fun game, and has such a creative background. I don't know if y'all know this. It was created. So it's created by Coin Crew Games, who is responsible for a little building in Los Angeles called Two Bit Circus. They built a lot of the mm-hmm. arcade machines and uh, escape rooms there. Fun fact. Founded by Wyatt Bushnell, son of Nolan Bushnell, ah. creator of Chuck E. Cheese. And so I love this. And also Atari. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that little but, nugget. Okay, Charles Entertainment Cheese <laughs> is the note. <laughs> right? They're just like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I love that, like, they, there, were these, uh, there were these people who created these escape rooms. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, it's like, well, what can we do? Let's bring escape rooms to you. And they have done it, I believe, in a very... I mean, the fact that they did it in real life, I'm like, I immediately trust you with my life doing escape rooms digitally. And they're so much fun. I love that, like, we were interviewing them, and they're like, what's great is that we can put really dangerous elements in there, like drowning you. We can't do that in real life. And I was like... You're right. <laughs> True. Please don't drown me. I don't want to die. Thank you. But it was Thank you. it was so much fun collaborating with uh, Golden Boy and the Black Hokage and trying to escape. We did not. We did not you win. Didn't? We died. Oh. It was so sad. Oh, we got no. stuck. But it was so much fun. And like I was writing down notes. Uh, those two guys were taking the controls. And I was solving puzzles, too, because I love puzzle games. And it was just so collaborative and fun and creative. And I love that there's a narrative to this game. Uh, okay. Yes. Player, player two, take it. Yeah, player two. <laughs> so um, my player two, or maybe player one or whatever, uh, Andrew and I both played together. Uh, we yes. absolutely adored the Escape Academy walkthrough. What was really cool is that it felt like an escape room. And Andrew and I have actually done one in real life recently. It's and true. Mm. It, it, it felt like we were there. Like, it felt like the, the danger was obviously heightened <laughs> from what you're allowed to do with real people. Um, despite whatever raver you signed, they can't kill you. But it, right. it, it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed the humor. There, there was fun writing. Even the puzzles had a lot of, you know, pizzazz and personality to them. They were hard. They were mm-hmm. challenging. And we actually did yeah. escape. <laughs> we did. And the developers told us that we got a really good score. Yeah. They, so They said one yeah. of the top. So I do have like a tiny sliver of, of gameplay to show you, but they told me I could only show you guys 45 seconds of B-roll, okay. which is oh. um, very limiting. I am 8-bit and <laughs> Skybound. I'm just saying. Well, so, I mean, okay. B-roll is inherently going to spoil the puzzles for you. And right. again, True. puzzle game queen over here. They are great. Like, they really did a good job thinking outside the box, making you really, like, you know, stretch your mind and work together because as Andrea saw some parts of a clue, I saw other parts because we were playing co-op yes. next to each other. And shout out to Catch Co-op coming back. That's awesome. But you okay, really so do need to work together. how does the co-op work? Is it just, like, one screen you look at or what? So we each had our own screen and we were controlling our own character and we could mm-hmm. pass items back and forth. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's the way fun. that they said is that, um, or maybe I'm thinking of a different game. No, this was right. It was split screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I was going to say it's like uh, there's local and then there's online, but you can't cross between the two. I'm thinking of 
like overall, so which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but I'm with Rhea that this game absolutely surprised me about how much I was going to like it because I think I get stressed out in these kind of puzzle games. But obviously going in with three, uh, it was really fun. And I had the opportunity to actually see this game for the first time at the ID at Xbox showcase that I hosted on Twitch Gaming with Okadrian, which was really awesome. And I had fun watching him play just kind of as like a passive watcher. Um, was I judging him? No, absolutely not. Okay, Jan, I wasn't judging your puzzle, your ability. Oh, she totally was. Um, for those of you falling for that bullshit. M- maybe I was. <laughs> uh, no, but he did great. But what's fun about this is that it reminds you that it's okay to actually bust out a pen and paper and write down clues and write down how you want to solve a puzzle or put down numbers. And it just reminds me that like sometimes I overlook things and then sometimes – you know, Rihanna would overlook things. And that's why it's so great to play as a team with somebody is that like you need that other set of eyes to be like, hey, we missed this thing. And mm. playing by yourself obviously has its own challenges, which people can find rewarding, but it was so fun to play together. And I will say another note that's pretty cool that the developers shared with us is that none of the puzzles repeat. So every mm. time you come across a puzzle, you're going to be dusting off new areas of your brain, which is really great because like a lot of times we just sit around and do the same four things all yes. day. Yes. It was really a breath of fresh air, honestly. And breaking yeah. out the pen and paper reminded me of my Nancy Drew days. All the Nancy <laughs> Drew games. And so it was just like, yeah. it was like, yes, hard puzzles. Very good. Um, so that was a really fun one. Um, another game, obviously, that I just mentioned was Lego Brawls. Um, I don't have any footage that I'm going to pull up right now, but essentially imagine a more user-friendly Super Smash, but mm-hmm. with all Lego minifigs. Awesome. And Adorable. we're talking over 300 minifigs, they told us in the game. This is being um, made by Red Games, pr- uh, published by Bandai Namco. And there's just this endless amount of customization that you can do with your minifigs from hats to torsos to um, – you know, your weapon that you're holding and they have some Lego properties like Ninjago that are built in and then they were showcasing the Jurassic World Lego, not Jurassic World, Jurassic, no, was it Jurassic World? Jurassic World because it had a Chris Pratt. That's right. Yeah. I, I keep thinking of Dominion, which is the new one, but that was not it. It was all the Jurassics because there was Chris Pratt and then there was the the very wet, sweaty. Uh, oh, yes, Malcolm. Uh, Goldblum. Ian Malcolm, right? Mm-hmm. Sweaty Goldblum. Uh, and... It was just a, a really fun game to play. Uh, I played with Emily and with uh, the completionist. And y'all were so good. I felt so <laughs> humbled. I was like, mm, this is why I don't play Smash. Because I'm just not good at platform brawler. <laughs> I'm not good at platform brawlers but you either. Were, you were one almost all the levels. Because well, I think I I, under, I quickly got the game. The the gameplay was really, really good. And also you built us a really good custom character with amazing, like, supers. That's something oh, that's really cool about you. this game is that you can kind of create your own Lego minifig, like you said, with different hats and options. But also you can customize your weapon, like your mid-tier kind of ultimate and then your ultimate ultimate. So uh-huh. Andrea did a great job of giving us essentially the floor scrubber so you could uh-huh. ride a, like a little machine and just scrub the floor. And it was it great. It looked like a Zamboni. <laughs> yeah. If you're like wondering what she's talking about. It's like not an ice maker. They're literally just giant brushes. Like we're washing Amazing. the floor. And it was great because a lot of these, a lot of kind of, um, they have your typical kind of brawl battles where it's it's uh, everyone on their own going out at the same time. But then there's a few different modes. Like there's one where it's point capture. So there's like a platform you have to capture for a certain amount of time and you have to hold on to. So you have this 
like this this um zamboni ult and you're just able to <laughs> literally scrub the competition off the platform so it was great we were basically tanks just like i would always Amazing. unlock and you just find the uh they literally looked like little smash balls they were like little uh lego bl bricks but you collect those you unlock your abilities and then yeah we're just like dominating the point here we go <laughs> but i yeah oh, it was really cute it's really cute i think yeah it's like baby's first brawler mm -hmm. uh and i think it's really really great for families especially if you want to get in the family to like oh hey here's one that you can easily jump into that feels rewarding for everyone and uh, it's up to eight players online and and couch. local mm. you can do eight players local which is wild that's awesome so it's like it was super fun and we had a great time playing and I'm really glad that, you know, we were able to get some hands on time and I clearly have some work I need to do to get good. But <laughs> maybe I just, you know, spend time making myself look cute and who really cares? We had a corn cob suit. It was the best. We <laughs> did. Oh we we looked like a giant corn of uh, co cob, cob of corn. Yes, yes. that's how you corn say it. Cob. Um, so that was a fun one. But there was a couple of big AAA games there that were. Talk about Sonic. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. Here we go. Let's go. All right. Let's do it. Let's talk about Sonic. So I think I have a smidgen of of <laughs> B-roll to show you for Sonic Frontiers. Let me see if I can find it really quick. But Rihanna and I shared our demo appointment. So we can only talk about part of what we played. The other part of what we played, we're going to talk about uh, later on. But from what you played from the kind of open world exploration, the introduction to combat, how did you feel about it? I can see how fans of the Sonic IP and, and gameplay style and franchise would be excited for this. As somebody who has played several Sonic games, but it's definitely not um, at the top of my list, I didn't understand where they were going with it. It felt more like a proof of concept than a true demo. And understandably, this game is still being developed, so there's a lot of they're not there yet. And of course, you know, I have experience with that, so so I can overlook lots of things like, you know, a very sparsely populated world or, you know, not a ton of different mechanics that they that they implemented. But it, it felt very combo heavy, which is obviously going to be hard for me because I'm terrible at remembering combos. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I, I didn't really understand why I was here. And, and obviously there's an element of mystery in a lot of games and that's absolutely fine, but I didn't have an immediate hook of why I wanted to keep moving through the space. And that's really what was missing for me and what I'm hoping to see once we get a little bit more depth from a further developed game. Yeah, no, I think what you said, you know, echoes true to how I felt about it as well. And we're looking at a little bit of combat here, um, you know, uh, on the YouTube channel. Um, but it's nothing that doesn't look too different from what we've already seen in the IGN preview that came out. Um, and I think that was the disappointing fact for me when we walked up to our demo appointment. I think I was really hoping that we were going to see something like that was a little bit more exciting. And, maybe, and I don't want to be like, oh, well, maybe I'm just not the Sonic fan that I was. But I think I just w walked up to this gameplay and was like, this just... The world doesn't feel original and exciting. The gameplay feels like I've played it many times before. Really, the only original thing about what we played in this demo is Sonic as a character. And I feel like there's Sonic games that have been done a lot better. And I think that this game has potential. I really mm -hmm. do. I think what they're trying to accomplish by integrating puzzles and integrating this more advanced combat system, which we just kind of saw the surface of, 
And of course, Sonic's, you know, characteristic traversal, which he's known for, but they just showed a tiny sliver. And that kind of leads me mm-hmm. back to the event overall, which we haven't mm-hmm. really talked about. And we are going to talk about Street Fighter Six, which was clearly the biggest AAA that was at the show. Um, and then obviously Outriders. But before we get to those, it was obvious to me as somebody who's covered almost 14 E3s um, that this show was just devoid of triple a's ready to show yeah mm-hmm. i think the esa came out in the beginning of 2022 and said there's gonna be no e3 this year and developers are like okay that's it we're not gonna make builds and for people out there who are listening or watching just as like an fyi it usually takes developers anywhere from three to six months or longer to create a demo that you get to play it's not something they can just like snap their fingers and whip up and, you know, they can show it at one of these events. It takes a long time. They handcraft it. They have to very carefully choose what kind of vertical slice, we call it, of a game that they're going to show. And it was obvious after going to this event that a lot of the big developers with games that are in the works just were not prepared to get hands on with for anybody. Mm-hmm. And that is telling of kind of where we're at and how things just aren't back to normal yet. They're not. And I think Mm -mm. that's why the ESA also probably read the room on that with their partners who they've been working with for decades and said, we're going to push our show to 2023. And Mm. Jeff Keighley and I am came in and said, we're still going to put this on. And I think a lot of games that needed a showcase got a showcase. Yeah. And the games that didn't need it weren't there. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. Yeah. That feels right. I mean, as someone who (laughs) wasn't there, uh, yeah, like, my favorite part was just watching the photos of my friends having a good time. <laughs> like, watching, like, you guys together. And, like, I was like, oh, it gave me the warm and fuzzies viscerally, right? But I feel like no one was really talking about the event. There was not a lot of, like, oh, you got to read this breaking news coverage from this event. Oh, this game is really good event. It's just kind of, like, exactly what you said, Andrea. It makes a lot of sense. Um, which, you know, I- I'm not you guys, but I feel like I'd be – at least Jeff did put something on. It sounds like it was a good time to get together and kind of, like, reconnect and everything. But um, I guess in your opinion, do you think the show needed to happen? I think for the games that showed well there, it was um, a really great opportunity where they would probably have gotten drowned out any other year. Yes. Or and- they would have gotten drowned out if we were just watching a digital showcase. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You, like, you, you can't show Escape Academy. You can't really show Vice Undercover and truly understand mm-hmm. what the hell is mm-hmm. going on there. Or even like a little title like Baron Breakfast that you got to play. Baron Breakfast. Baron absolutely. Breakfast. Or you would see Animal Well and think, oh, it's a, you know, another Celeste. But no, there's a lot more to it. And and. Um, well, we don't have a ton of time to get into each one of those. Like, there's a lot of games that really needed a bigger spotlight. And for some of those larger studios to kind of get out of the way and yeah. to, to really yeah. have this draw, like, with, um, you know, people with the pedigree of Jeff Keighley and, and companies like I Am 8-Bit, it's, it drew a lot of people in who would give it that proper stage. And I'm happy for that because, you know, smaller creators, like, smaller voices really do deserve that attention. Yes. Mm-hmm. It really Absolutely. speaks to the importance of these in-person events. You know, like, that's a really good point you made. Some of those games you're talking about, how do you showcase that in a digital event? Like, it's really hard to do that. But because you're able to go there and play it, look at the impression it left on you, and now, like, you're talking about it, right? And that's, I think that's what this industry really has been missing, are those special little hidden gems that you can only get from actually playing a game. And I I think, too, it was a nice kind of, like, oh, first step back into the pool of gaming conferences, Mm. especially after these Mm -hmm. last two years, especially after, oops, sorry, a global (laughs) pandemic. Uh, and yeah, just kind of like, it was nice and small. It was, it was very kind of, uh, 
clean and orderly. Like yeah. everyone had the mm. same exact kind of presentation space. There weren't these crazy displays where I'm sure these companies were super thankful they didn't have to spend like tens of thousands of dollars on building. Millions. Like, tens of millions. Millions. Yeah. <laughs> making like, here's a huge dragon from Monster Hunter in the in the hall uh but yeah it was it was really it was really economic and it was really great just to be able to talk to devs again and yet to see everyone in the industry and be like that's right we can all see each other in person again and this is coming back there is a semblance of of normalcy coming back i don't think things were will ever be the same as they ever were but it was so nice to be like ah i i i love it Mm. i love it i missed it so much yeah absolutely um I know this has been a long show and thank you everybody for sticking with us. I do want to quickly talk about the last two titles because mm-hmm. the biggest title of summer game fest play days was street fighter six. We didn't really talk about it in the summer game fest stream because I think none of us are fighting game fans and that's okay. But I do have a lot of history with street fighter. I hosted street fighter across tech in the series like forever and ever ago. Um, and I think this team has done amazing things with what we've seen so far and getting hands-on like I am so impressed by the way that they've heard their community from Street Fighter 5 they've acknowledged that the game has become oh sorry everybody that's the b-roll that's the (laughs) b-roll playing Uh, they've acknowledged that the game has become inaccessible to new or casual players and said how do we appease both of these groups boom Street Fighter 6. So we got this amazing trailer during the Summer Game Fest stream. And then Capcom brought a demo to Play Days. And this demo was fire. It was so much fun to play. It really reminded you why Street Fighter is the big heavy hitter in the fighting game scene that it is. But also introduced this new modern control scheme. Something that we've seen in other franchises like what modern Mortal Kombat has done. NetherRealm really did a great job of introducing a simplified control scheme that I think brought people back into their game. And I think Capcom kind of saw the success of what they did and said, why don't we try to implement something similar? And so they did. And it made it a lot more fun. And so what the modern control scheme does is essentially let you hit some of the most iconic combo moves with a single button press instead of having to always memorize all of these different ah, combinations of buttons. Brit mode. Yes. We'll exactly. <laughs> exactly. And of course, on top of that, they not only added modern control schemes and don't worry, they still have classic if you are hardcore in the FGC. No, no worries. Don't don't get your panties in a bunch, as Britt says. Um, but they brought in a story in campaign mode, which again, shout out to NetherRealm. They did a great job with the most recent Mortal Kombat campaign. Loved it. Have loved what they've been doing and I'm so excited to play this Street Fighter campaign mode because I think it's a great way to let people who've been away from the franchise like myself to get back in and kind of get your feet wet with all these different characters try out their different combos it's almost like a long extended tutorial and then once you're done with the campaign you can be like okay I'm feeling a little confident maybe it's time to go for a little pvp I had the opportunity to play against one Khalif Adams from oh. Spawn. Oh. Oh. Did I beat his ass? You know it. Oh, oh shoot. Okay, but he also beat me. We went toe to toe. But it was fun. We had a great time playing against each other. And the new characters that they introduced, Luke and Jamie. So obviously Luke was introduced at the end of um, Street Fighter V's DLC run. But Jamie is such a fun character. It's just like this breakdancing, like, 
husbando. I mean, like he is a oh, pretty, oh, pretty boy. Oh. Andrea um, does and not use the word we, husbando often. I have to I Google. Let me see yes. if I let me see if I can pull Jamie. Oh, up. she does. I am very excited to see this and, Jamie. And he, he fights like he's just dancing. Okay. Honestly, Love it. just just dancing, and then he's got this like enrage mode that we very casually we're calling sexy hair mode um <laughs> because he just like he drinks from these gourds and it like um it sends him into this mode where he wears a braid mm-hmm. but then like the hair comes out of the braid almost bayonetta style oh Ooh. and then he just like whips it around and so let me see if i can find some gameplay here i'm oh, probably I'm gonna have excited. to i'm probably gonna have to pull this from ign and then Ask them to forgive me for showing it later. <laughs> Shout out to IGN. <laughs> IGN, you the best. Thank you for always helping us. <laughs> um, okay, let me see here. If I can pull up some Jamie footage. Very excited. Um, so the other P2 fighters in the demo were classics. It was Chun-Li and Ryu. But I don't really need to show you Chun-Li and Ryu because you, you've seen them. We know those guys. So thank you to IGN in advanced. Um, I will ask you for permission. Oh, um, okay. So this is Jamie. Hi, and um, once you see him fight, yeah, oh, yeah he just yeah. Dan- he's just oh. dancing the whole time. He's got presence. Right, look Ooh, at those brows. Eyebrows. Ooh, look earrings. at those brows. Oh, oh, that face. So, so that oh. face is player controlled, by the way. Okay, so you I can make so. those faces by moving your your sticks like while you're waiting. Oh, he's got long hair. Yeah, so he's oh. got this long braid, and then oh. so that's the gourd that he's drinking. And so once you reach this state, um, the hair comes out and just kind of like whips okay. around. It's it's oh, really he looks cool. chaotic. I love it. So it's like a little capora breakdancing sort of action going on. Yeah, here. even yes. when he's drinking out of the gourd, it felt very like JoJo in the yes, way he like leaned backwards. JoJo. Oh, there we go. Oh, <gasps> oh, there oh. oh. okay. Yeah. So, so for our audio listeners, uh, imagine uh, a beautiful quaff of jet black hair just flowing around an incredible dancer. surrounding you on your sister. Say he looks he looks a lot better with the hair down. I He's love the got, hair down. Oh like yeah. Yellow what looks like kind of like yellow track pants or yellow jogger pants with oh, some black shit, sneakers. And a yellow oh. like tracksuit jacket open ah! with like this incredible like eight pack of muscles <laughs> just being like, look at me, I'm a dancer with all these muscles and this yeah, long. Yeah, when his braid falls out. Yeah, mm. that's when like the the top opens up and his hair just like flows all around you like a Quabbling, not quabbling. What's I, the word? Like, bobbling, the, babbling, babbling. There's an NPC <laughs> in the background who's just like cradling a cat. Like, oh, oh, really? Yes, she's over by a trash can. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I really love all of the stylistic things that Capcom is doing with this game. I think that the Street Fighter franchise desperately needed a reinvigoration, and of course, they decided bringing it to xbox so it's coming to xbox you know playstation and pc this time around which i think is great for fans and i just love that they have put so much love in and then on top of it the casting that's in it so they have announced that they've brought on some of these iconic names from the street fighter community from the fgc that are going to literally cast your game as you're playing so while i was playing with khalif i was like is somebody shout casting the match And so they have these lists of names of people that they're working with. They've only announced two so far. But essentially, while you're playing, somebody is shout casting your match. It really makes you feel 
like the excitement of being in a tournament. And if you've never seen Street Fighter played in an esports tournament, I mean, obviously, if you can go to Evo, that is like the place to go for FGC. But there's so many other tournaments. I know Combo Breaker just happened a couple of weeks back, but it just really like up to the excitement level. And it's such an interesting, fun, unique thing that they've added to the game. I'm just like really excited to see where this game goes. Nice. What a great way to integrate yeah. the community into the game. I love that. Mm. Snaps. Very okay. fun. Very fun. I may or may not be over here Googling Jamie hair down SF6. <laughs> <laughs> New husband alert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's pretty fun. Mm. He's pretty great. All right. Um, and then the last thing was a thing that I literally had to pull Rihanna away from the station. <laughs> I was like, the demo is over. You must leave now. <laughs> Couldn't stop. Um, it was Outriders World Slayer. <gasps> so this is the new expansion that is coming for Outriders. Outriders from People Can Fly, the game that came out in spring of 2021. Yeah. If, I, if I remember wow. correctly. Yeah, um, a year ago. Uh, a co-op FPS from the people who made uh, Gears of War and from the people who made uh, Bulletstorm. This was their first original IP published underneath Square Enix. And we had a ton of fun playing it when it originally came out. Joey and I streamed it a couple of times. And they have this really unique elemental system built in. And they put out one expansion previously, but this is like their now big thing. And they've added a, a lot of stuff. And you obviously had a fun time. I did. <laughs> so as we were talking to the developer, um, while we were playing, they pointed out all of the different things that are that are new and exciting and some quality of life improvement. So uh, one of the things that stood out the most to me immediately, just because it is a visual and, and I really enjoy good visuals, they upped the color saturation. Ooh. And a lot of, God. yeah, a lot of our experience in our time with Outriders it did feel like a little samey. Uh, between each of the levels simply because you know it was very pale <laughs> and, yeah. and very muted and they said like specifically they took audience feedback and they were paying attention they are listening and they heard like it's not really very vibrant or lively so they up the color and when i say they up the color they up the color like Good. there there are some really great moments where you you walk into this ice planet for example and the blue is just so beautiful and it feels like a different space not of this world and it really did help to sort of transform you into you know this realm where people have superpowers <laughs> and, and it, it made mm. it feel a little bit more accessible in that way um obviously there are new enemies types there are, are you know our new creatures new biomes everything like that uh new weapons and and all of those you know wonderful looter shooter um <laughs> quality of life improvements when they add an expansion but they also have this new thing called the ascension modes so as you know, as you flow, <laughs> that explosion is so good. As you know, as you play through Outriders, um, the world can become increasingly difficult and you can gain world tiers, world yeah. tiers, increasingly mm -hmm. difficult. You can gain better loot as you go through the world. If you choose to up your tier, you can choose to stay at z at one if you would like. Nah, you don't want that low level loot. <laughs> However, now, in addition to, I believe, the 30 world tiers that existed in the original game, you can add ascension tiers. So this is, you know, like, think of it as new world tiers times, let's say, an order of five. The enemies do get noticeably harder Ew. with each increase. And it was hard in the beginning. It was, it was already pretty hard. <laughs> 
But what's really great is when you do choose to go up in um, an Ascension tier is that you gain something called PAX points and um, not Penny Arcade Expo, but just PAX points. <laughs> and this allows you to customize your individual Outrider even further past your 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 designated skill. So I play a Technomancer. And for instance, the, the thing that I really love about my Technomancer is I can throw out a turret. It'll cover me. It'll freeze enemies mm. for me. You know, it'll kind of do a little bit of crowd control. But with these additional PAX points, I can also say anytime I throw out my turret, it's also going to give me an endurance boost so I can run a little bit faster mm. or like, you know, survive a little bit longer. And so it allows for this additional layer of customization that can work with any of your I forget outriders, I guess, any of your classes mm -hmm. um, and, and just allows you to tweak even further according to your play style every time you choose to up your ascension points. Now, you may not up your ascension points and you just stay, you know, basic bitch to outriders. Well, ah! you definitely <laughs> want to spend your points. You definitely want to spend your points. And what I love more than anything is, you know, I, I've had a lot of hard a lot of hard moments where I've chosen to step away from Destiny 2 because I don't feel like that game's grind is really appropriate for me in the way my life is set up right now. Yeah. It respects your time. You go immediately to level 30 when you start this expansion. You can do it as many times as you want to do it on each class. And your PAX points can respec at any moment, no cost. That's wow. amazing. Yay. I really felt like they were coming for a couple other games out there that are similar in the sense that they're like, we are going to give you this this level progression boost on all the characters you want to start we're not going to limit you to just one and i was like you're definitely just coming for destiny yeah that. you're not burning anything. um <laughs> even though destiny has changed the way that they do that um but i love that people can fly really just want you to have fun with this game that's what we kept talking about with the dev team from people can fly is that they're like our game is always just about having a blast and there's like having these cool headshots and like lighting people on fire and like you know throwing acid on people and our game's just about fun and we don't want to get too bogged down in in the skill tree and the progression and how the rpg min max works but we wanted to include it because we think that that's also a fun style of play but we want to make sure that that's not like the focus of our game this isn't an rpg mm -hmm. it's an fps with a heavy rpg component to it and that's why the ascension points are kind of like your quick hit skill points whereas the packs points are more impactful that are going to help your uh, w i think what he said was optimize your build right it's like so you obviously if you're playing this deep into outriders you have a pretty optimized build for how you want to play your specific class and these packs points will really just kind of like make that a little bit more flourished robust yeah whatever adjective you want to use and it just really made me want to play more Outriders. It did. And you, you joked that you had to pull me away, but truthfully, she did. I would have stayed there all day. And we had a lot of other shit and to do. And they had the full build. He was like, you can Dang. just stay here. And I was like, no, we got shit to do. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to get back into that. We were playing that, Andrea, just like months before we gave birth. So yeah. I'm trying to, I, all I remember from that time of my life is that I loved that game. I loved impaling the bad guys because mm -hmm. it was just like, was a healthy way for me to vent the frustration of being like eight, nine months pregnant at the time. Yeah. You should get so, back into uh, it. I want to. Ooh, yay. Well, thanks, Ree. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. And then, of course, all of the same things, the same platform, same everything, you know, yay. Game Pass, whatever. Play exactly. it wherever. Yeah, they told me that they have over 5.5 million players and over 1 million players have put more than 100 hours into the game. Jeez. Nice. Shout out to y'all. 
thanks for letting them know about the color stuff because they they heard you right <laughs> like it it looks so much better i mean the it game does. was good before and they've added a bunch of new story stuff and i was always really impressed um with the amount of story work in this game because i just expected it to be a fun shooter i just pew pew stuff but then i was mm. like oh actually these cutscenes are like pretty legit they are so lots lots to play uh, i'm trying to find the release date Oh. Um, for this, what's the release date? June thirtieth. So it's coming out literally in like Woo-hoo. a week. Yeah, yeah. You can pre-order it if you choose to do so, or so, just get it. Yeah, PS Five, Series X and S, PS Four, Xbox One, and then PC for Steam, Epic, Windows, Nvidia GeForce, and Stadia, and crossplay. Yeah, yes, and crossplay is a thing. That's a thing. Um, this has been a whopper of a show, <laughs> and we left a lot out. Like, yeah. a lot we didn't talk yeah. about. Lots of games. Um, but we obviously can't cover it all, but I want to give a big shout-out and thank you to Emily for being Aww. here. Thank you. This thank is you such an honor. Us. I just love talking games. You are welcome back anytime. Um, tell your team at X-Play that they need to put you on the show more. Yes. yes. Oh, wait. You. Aren't you the producer over there? You should put yourself on the show more. Yeah. <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, just tell that completionist guy that his skills at Lego Brawls were just not quite good enough and that oh. you were going to take his spot. <laughs> That's right, Gerard. I'm coming for you. <laughs> just kidding. You were great. Come on the show sometime. Um, and Rihanna, so good to have you back. Yes, so if you guys missed it, Rihanna made an announcement that you have officially parted ways with G4. I have. Shout out to the G4 fam. All the love. But yeah, I miss being in games. Clearly, I have a lot of thoughts about them. So I want to go back to being on the teams that make them. So that's what I'm working on doing. Yes. And until that time, which let's be honest, <laughs> I'm, I'm counting days here. If you could just. Yeah, like, you're not going to be off the market long. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Like if you could just I've slow made my how piece. many interviews you're having, that'd be great because we would like to keep working with you for at least a couple of weeks. Um, she's yeah. going to be back here on WGG helping us with some stuff and, of course, being on the show for as long as we can we can have you i mean yeah. you're so incre- incredibly talented and such as oh. like a wonderful amazing person that like any company should hire her immediately but also like stay but here but maybe not immediately <laughs> no yeah <laughs> maybe hire her like in august sure and give her a starting point to like start at only fans okay Float wow okay for some time mm-hmm. and then just hang out with us okay you, go. you know, Problem I wasn't solved. expecting you to throw OnlyFans in there, but, you I know, mean, we've all had this discussion. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pandemic was hard. You know? Pandemic was hard. Mm-hmm. Well, <sighs> now y'all are thinking about OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> on that Absolutely. Note, enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. We will be back next week with more video game news talk. Until then, thank you so much for watching and have a great night. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.